Another U- Ukrainian stands on a statue and gets his bits out. And what's the matter with these people? What is the matter with them? I mean, who in their right mind climbs a statue and then takes their clothes off? Most people, let me just explain to uh, the poor Dan, who's probably listening at the moment, that, you know, when you, c- you take your clothes off before you climb the statue. All right? Buffoon, honestly. Mind you talking buffoons, good news is we've kicked out Rylan out of the X Factor. Yeah! Now go back to obscurity. You silly little naffo. We've got rid of Victoria Pendleton. Yeah, that's even better. Nadine Dorris. Yeah, bad news is she apparently has written a book. She's apparently submitted this uh, this novel to her publishers. Uh, to be honest with you, Nadine, you've had your five seconds, love. You've proved to be a numpty. You've proved to have no talent at all. Go away. OK, go, go away. Take Sally Burko with you. I'll tell you what, why don't you do a skydive together without parachutes? Do us all a favour. Anyway, anyway. Apart from the weekend, which was brilliant, which was busy, which was lovely, the weather was a bit but then it's a bit this week as well, I'm afraid, so not good for the showman up there at Winter Wonderland. I did like it, though. It was heaving yesterday. And why is it? I mean, I know. I know how it works. You know, don't underestimate my, underestimate my intelligence. But what are we played with up there? People with double buggies everywhere. It's crowds. Don't t- Don't go. Don't go. If you've got little tiny children who are asleep in a pushchair, don't go. Or give them to somebody to look after. And do you know what else there was loads of yesterday? People walking around with suitcases. People pulling suitcases. Who in their right mind, unless you're Ukrainian or something, you want to take your clothes off, takes a suitcase to a fun fair. You walk around a fun fair, you know, with, with a studio. Uh, sorry, with a studio. Sorry, with a suitcase. Uh, mine's... So-so in here. It's OK. Yeah. I've seen it worse. Really? Oh, no, this is all right in here. It's actually quite quite clean. Reasonably clean. So we're having discussions about how clean the studio are. There's a piece in one of the papers today on whether or not, if you obsessively clean, whether you've got something the matter with you. And and, and the truth of the matter is that most people have got a few screw looses. Uh, because I'm, I'm the same. I do get... Sometimes I'll be sitting in, in the shower and I'll think... I think I'll just clean the taps. You know, for no reason whatsoever. I'll be sitting in the shower and I'll clean the taps. Or I'll be sitting there watching television. I think, if I get the feather duster out, I could just sort of have light dust around the television or something like that. And I, I clean quite regularly. I, I don't like going out leaving washing up in the sink. There is two, two cups in the sink at the moment. Because I couldn't be bothered this morning. I thought, no. Because I woke up early. I think I must have inadvertently reset the alarm clock. Because it went off. I bounced out of bed just when it got to a good bit. It just got to a really good bit in my dream. I was going down a corridor and the dentist had said something to me and I can't remember what it was. Because just as the dentist was about to say, oh, and by the way, bang, the alarm goes off. So I bounce out of bed like Tigger, into the bathroom. Turn the, I do, do the same thing every morning, bounce out of bed in the bathroom, toilet, and then I switch on the radio. So I'm listening to Duncan, so just make sure it is Duncan. And, uh, and then I, I pick up the shaver, sit in the sitting room, pour myself a glass of water, take my medication and... Click on the news channel to see what's actually happened, see if anybody's died or something's blown up or we've still got floods in the country. And I have a shave, and then by this time, it's generally about quarter past two. That's the time I go into the bathroom, finish off the shave, you know, just the little straggly bits, and um, and then get in the shower. Out at half past, like to make sure definitely out at half past, takes that long, and uh, get myself dressed, and then into the car by about quarter to three, something like that. <clears throat> then in here, depending on which, which route we've taken, about three o'clock. Make myself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and uh, and settle down and go through the papers. You know, say hello to, to Aunt Payne, who's on our sister station, Capital. I've normally 
seen uh, seen Nicola, who comes in, Nicola Bond, who does the, the show on Heart at this time. So I see all the people. I see the people on Choice. The only people I don't see anymore are all our friends on XFM, because they're tucked... I, I would need to physically go into the studio and go, hello, and I have to go through different doors. We've got pass keys and everything else, just so they keep keep a track on us, just so they know where we've gone. Apparently, according to the producer, all the other female MPs are jealous of Nadine Doris. Can't imagine why... That's what she says. Oh, she's stupid. She's just a vacuous little big head. She's no talent at all. Seems to run in the entire family. They've lied, as usual. But uh, I don't care about her. You know, we won't see any more of her with a bit of luck. You know, we had enough of Sally Burko. Have you noticed that the Burkos have just bought a million-pound flat in London on the embankment? I don't know how they manage that on his salary of 145000 How does that work out? God, I'd love to see your accounting. Very interesting. 84850, steve at We'll take all your... Oh, we haven't got the text up. We'll take all your, uh, your texts up in a minute. We'll have a look at those, and, uh, and we shall go... For busy week this week. Busy week for In Conversation. Did you manage to download yesterday? Donnie and Marie and Dawn French, did you download it? Well, we haven't done it yet. Well, do it now. Do it now. OK? Download, and then you can... Uh, then you can re-listen to them again. Super interview. Uh, this week I've got Priscilla Presley, Warwick Davis... Uh, Stephen Tomkinson, and uh, who else have I got? I've also got Jason Fleming coming in as well. We've got quite a bit, loads of people coming in. We've got to start recording all the stuff for Christmas as well. So we'll do we'll do Christmas and we'll do we'll do all the other little bits and pieces. We'll go through the papers as well. We've lost um, we've lost a few people over the weekend as well. A few celebrities. We lost uh, is it Dinah Sheridan was the uh, actress and we lost her. Uh, wait a minute. I did, uh, I, I, made a, I made a mental note of it. Oh, we lost, we lost Dave Sexton as well. Dave Sexton, of course, the, uh, the former Chelsea and Man United manager. 82. 82 he was. That was a bit sad. And then London closed down the other day. Why? Because Tom Cruise was filming. Tom Cruise was filming. I love the story of the identical twins who crash into each other and they didn't know. Until they jumped out the car to go and shout and let off at the other one. Discovered that they had no idea which cars they were driving. Quite clearly not, not the brightest. Where are they from? Oh, Gosport in Hants. So uh, they had a little... Re- both wearing identical clothes. Isn't it funny? Why do identical twins wear identical clothes? They're a little bit like, like Jedward, except Jedward are in the remedial class. And these ones look as though they're perfectly normal. I mean, you wouldn't want to see Jedward behind the wheel of a car, would you? If you saw Jedward coming towards you... And they, and they they were driving. You, you'd get off the road as fast as possible because if I mean I shouldn't imagine they, they could even pass a, a driving uh, a driving test. I'm trying to find out who this. Oh, so we, we kicked out Ryland Clark. Good. Back to obscurity, Nancy boy. You've been really. We've had so much of him. A thin joke act that didn't actually go anywhere. A man with no talent. Just uh, another gay boy out of a club somewhere who thinks they've got a talent on the television. Nothing at all. Um. Um, oh, it's Denise Welsh embarrassing herself again. What, what does this old dragon look like? She pitched up at some charity do the other day, dressed as... I don't know. She says she stopped drinking. I'm hoping it's true. You do worry about people, don't you? <clears throat> I worry about certain people. I, uh... Oh, that's a bit better. Oh, that's a bit better, that is. The cup that cheers. I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm loathe and uh, frightened to, to uh, expound on the person... Although, frankly, to describe as a person is a bit of an insult to people who dragged an 11-year-old girl into a park and raped her for up to three hours. So much so she needed surgery. Uh, I hope when they find him, they string him up. I hope when they find him, they string him up. I mean, I can't... I can't... You know, I mean, what do you say? What, 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 what do you do for somebody like that? Is hanging too much for them? When they get into prison, will somebody glass them, knife them? Who knows? 
Who knows? Uh, 84850, steve at Lisa says, I think you should go to the jungle next year. No, I don't. I, I wouldn't want to get no amount of money would ever tempt me. Somebody could say to me, I'll give you 50,000 quid. I wouldn't be remotely interested. I'm not tempted by money to do anything at all. Who wants to sit there and be embarrassed, you know, so that the country laugh at you? Oh, look, he's eating bugs again. Oh, no, no, it wouldn't be my sort of thing at all. I wouldn't mind going to the jungle just to sleep. I'd look at it as a holiday. Of course, if you went there to sleep all the time, there, there wouldn't be much point. They had a few people years ago who did just sleep when they had some celebrity big brothers or some big brothers, where they had a load of people who've disappeared all but from our lives completely. There was one bloke, I can't remember his name. He was a bit naff. I think his parents have got, um, they're in the rag trade. And he spent most of his time in bed. A bit of a waste of time, I'm afraid. A little bit like George Lineker. He's a bit of a waste of time, actually. We, uh, we discovered one of his Twitters today. This is George Lineker. This is the uh, errant son of poor Gary. Gary, who married that, that sort of... That, I don't know what you class her as, actually. I just know she's... I mean, it's the sort of thing. He's, she, she's a bit low-rent, but no, nobody's as low-rent as George Lineker, who says, uh, should be in Nubar, but instead I'm in bed, bored out of my tree. I need to have more nights out. You need to grow up a little bit more, first of all. Poor old George Lineker. I mean, he's another one from the remedial class. Have you seen him out? They, they, he's, he's, I mean, he, apart from the fact, looks definitely don't run in their family. They really don't. And so poor old George Lineker, who obviously thinks he's somebody, but all he's doing is trading on his daddy's name. And next year they said he might go into I'm uh, the Celebrity Big Brother. So that's, that's how naff and low shallow it's become when George Lineker becomes a celebrity. God in heaven. Uh, when do you eat your breakfast in the morning? You must be starving by 4.30. Uh, I don't... Um, um, I don't... Uh, I don't have breakfast. We don't eat breakfast till the end of the programme, so we're eating breakfast at 8 o'clock, so why would you be starving? I have a little snack here, just to keep, keep me going, but uh, I don't... We don't do... Where do you get breakfast at 4.30? You know, I mean, I just don't... Uh, I don't quite understand, actually, why that would be, uh, why that would be sort of, I don't know, really. I, we just don't think about breakfast. Sometimes I've had a few little bits and pieces, uh, but I haven't, uh, haven't had anything at all. I haven't had anything at all today. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. <clears throat> uh, Alex says, don't you find other people tell you, don't eat that, don't eat this. No, I do whatever I want to do. I've never been told by anybody what to do. The idea that somebody says, oh, we can't do that. Unless it's the doctor. Uh, Alan says, the uh, Donnie and Marie chat, one of your best. One of your best. It is true, actually. It is true. It is one of the best. <laughs> so, there you go. I don't... I mean, you know, you have to listen to it, first of all, because it is particularly good. Monday morning, says Dan, and back to work. Wet, dark and horrible. I did get the postcard, thank you. It's going to be raining all this week. It's going to be so blooming miserable. Every every day this week is going to be sad and miserable. I don't know why, really. I'm, I'm, so, I'm thinking, I'd rather it was snowing. It'd be prettier up at Winter Wonderland if it was snowing. And so, also, of course, we lost uh, Larry Hagman as well. He was 81. I thought he looked a bit ill when he came over here last time. And he was doing his interviews. And I thought he had that look about him that, you know, I, I can't really describe it. It's a, it's a grey look. It's a grey look. It, it's not a good look, and we knew he had cancer, but uh, he died. Sadly, his wife has, um, has outlived him, but, of course, she didn't know who he was at the end because she's got Alzheimer's, and so he used to visit her in the home, but she didn't have the faintest idea who he was, and that, that always depressed him. But uh, great shame 
how they're going to rewrite him. They're halfway through series two of Dallas. Mind you, Jock Ewing died whilst they were making Dallas married to Miss Ellie, and she carried on having conversations with him on the phone. she go, oh, yes, Jock, that was Jock on the phone. I'm shouting, he's dead. LBC 97.3. Morning, 18 minutes past four. Bit throaty, don't worry about it. Linda says, loved your interview with Donnie and Marie. I love Donnie and Marie and the rest of the Elsmans. Actually, it was a really good one. It was, in fact, actually, you wait till you hear, in a few weeks' time, Paul O'Grady. You wait till you hear Russell Grant. You wait till you hear Catherine Jenkins and Rod Gilbert. There's quite a, there's quite a collection of people, as you can well imagine, that we've, uh, we've been recording. In fact, that's why I've got no voice. Uh, more stories in the paper about Greg Wallace. I'm a bit bored with Greg the Creep Wallace. I don't like him. I don't like him. Oh, this time he's on about, I'm still 48, but at least I'm, I'm sprightly, not that fat old drunk anymore. And I thought, that's a bit, who cares? Who cares? You're creepy. You can't be with women more than five minutes. I don't like you on television. And, of course, what is he? He's the uh, the Weight Watchers' new celebrity ambassador. You know, to be honest with you, these people have got so many big heads going on. A, to believe he's a celebrity, and B, to believe that anybody gives a stuff about whether he's lost weight or not. You put weight on, you lose weight. You put weight on, you lose weight. And uh, it's all they're doing is just trying to hype up Weight Watchers. Like, there's loads of pictures in the paper today of, uh, of Tess Daly. And what they've tried to do is take the girl, you know, from Bolton and make her look glamorous. She does, as long as she doesn't open her mouth. There's nothing worse than a northern accent. Why, eh? You all right? You know, these horrible, grating voices. And I'm afraid poor old Toss Daly, who at 43 couldn't manage to hang on to her old man because he was doing the old sex text with somebody else. Show she boobs. Show she calls show she boobs. You know, that kind of stuff. And so what they've had to do, they put her a lady in red. And it's very glamorous. It's a lovely picture. It's Kelly Brook all over again. But then you have a conversation with Kelly Brook and realise you'd have more intellect talking to a chipmunk. You know, there is nothing going on. But, you know, with Toss Daly, she can't help. It's not her fault she comes from Bolton. As far as I'm concerned, the only good person from Bolton is the person who lives in Bolton. We'd all to see him down south. Like, go away. Where are you from? I'm from Bolton. Go away. Take Peter Kay. No, actually, leave Peter Kay. We like Peter Kay. Take, take, no, leave Vernon. Just take yourself back there, love, OK? Because it's no good doing glamorous shoots, pretending that you're a model, because then <clears throat> to be a model and to be sophisticated means that you're a person in society. And unfortunately, you walk like a navvy and a truck driver. So there's no point. You know, you, you, you could take Bolton out of the girl, but you can't take the girl out of Bolton, as they say. Lots of nice pictures of Nadia Sawala. She's a very happy size 12. She's very bubbly. I do like Nadia. I do like... We had a very good chat with her. She's still on the... Uh, still on the uh, the podcasting. <coughs> uh, Dave says, leaving Twickenham 0245 and get to Leicester Square at 0300. Not possible. Of course it's possible. We do it every morning. We do it absolutely every morning. I mean, it's, you know, at that time of the morning, it's completely empty. We don't stop at red lights. Oh, God, no. Oh, Ukrainian drivers. I'd, oh, no, we don't, we don't do that. Most of them are colour blind, so it makes no difference. I just tell them it's green and we sail through. No, we whiz through very quickly. Might sometimes be about two minutes past three. That's if we're having a slow den. I've got out, you know, to have a fag and a cup of coffee and a, and a bacon sandwich. <laughs> uh, 84850. Chris says, if you went along Oxford Street yesterday, Debenhams had a snow machine on the roof blowing snow down as you walk past. Oh, lovely. That's nice, isn't it? I'd be suing. I'd be suing. I don't know that mess all over me. <laughs> Although I do love snow. I do love snow. And then, surprise, no, I didn't know about this, but Rupert Bartia tells me he knew <clears throat> that Pete Doherty 
that had a secret fling with Amy Winehouse, and he says it's true, Amy and I were lovers. Oh, God, two druggies together. You can imagine. Have we had sex? I don't know. <clears throat> Why would you want to know about this thing? He wept as he confessed, because he's, he's such a soporific little twat. He said, it's difficult for me to admit I loved her then. I still do now. Of course you do, dear. Back on the drugs, are we, or are you off them? Is this you coming off the drugs, or are you still... I don't know where you are in your life. You know, I, you know, you're a waste of space first time round, you're a waste of space still now. But, of course, great to say anything, you know. Say anything about Amy Winehouse. You know, they're still trying to keep the memory alive. If she hadn't gone down that, uh, that sad route of drink and drugs, who knows, things probably would have been different. Uh, Queen star, Brian May, allowed Deer to be shot on his estate. He's got an estate in Dorset. And he says, I was new to forest management. I was advised it improved the, it improved the health of the deer population, which it does. You have, to, you have to do management. They do it out in the highlands. They do it all over the place. And so I don't see anything the matter with that at all. I wouldn't worry about that one. <clears throat> uh, Simon Cowell has begged X Factor fans to use their votes to ensure a genuine start. Well, he hasn't done anything of the sort. Has he contacted you? Anybody out there listening? Has he contacted you, producer? No, not, not contacted me either. So another load of old rubbish from the... Uh, from the, the Sun this morning, the deputy chief. They couldn't even get the proper TV editor. Perhaps they were too busy. Perhaps they were out having a kebab or something. But uh, his plea came amid fears that Chris Maloney may triumph. I don't know, there was a woman in the Sunday papers who claimed that he'd beaten her up or something on board a cruise ship. <coughs> he is rubbish. I mean, to be honest with you, he can't sing for Toffee. He really... You know, after Union J. Do you know, they just look so gay, don't they, though, really? Do you like them? Oh, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Is that the one with the boy with the funny hairstyle who's, who's straight? <coughs> the plastic one. They're all a bit peculiar, aren't they? I love the way they all talk about, you know, the, the, like, like they've been in the business for donkey's years. And, and then you think to yourself, you've been in it five seconds. You know, just... Get, no, I, did, I can't be bothered to watch them. They're just, they're just too girly for me, I'm afraid. I'm glad we got rid of Rylan. You know, another naff Essex bloke. You know, who has no talent whatsoever. He can't sing, he can't dance, he's just a bit silly. And uh, I don't know why we applaud silly people in this country. But apparently the uh, the group on... Um, on the, which one? There's this, is this Union J. That's right. They organised a group of girls to be at the front of the stage and cheers for them. The boys were so uncomfortable and didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, ooh... It does, it does make me laugh, though. You watch them on the television, and they sit there talking like they've been outperforming for donkey's years. You know, like, you know, groups have been out there for years of people like the Osmonds, the Rolling Stones, group, you know, Union J. Do you think they'll still be around in a year? No. Oh, she thinks they so they won't. No, of course they won't. Three of them would have been outed as homosexuals. That By that time, it will all be, they've all gone to the wall. <laughs> and, the, and the girl fans will be going, right, OK, so not, not much for us going on here. Because the moment you lose the girl fans, that's, that's it, isn't it? You, you have to presumably keep them. Oh, there's one that doesn't do anything at all. Actually, there's, there's two, two members of The Wanted were in the papers over the weekend. Zane and somebody else. They had a big bit of a bust-up. Oh, is that One Direction? Oh, Zane is One Direction. That's right. He had a bust-up with somebody from The Wanted. Apparently, you know, they, they, it's turned to fisticuffs and all that kind of thing. And I thought Zane was always a loose cannon in One Direction. I always thought he was the one. To be honest with you, a little boy band with tattoos. I'm slightly perturbed by that, I'm afraid. Mind you, every time I see women with tattoos, I'm even more perturbed, I'm afraid. But, but you know, we, we end up watching them. But, you know, if, if you've got Union J, once they've grown up and they've discovered girls, they've started having relationships, that's it. it. It will all finish up. Listen, even... Bross, who at the height of their fame, sold loads and loads and loads of records. It just all went pear-shaped. Once Craig left, that was it. And the moment they start, you know, 
getting a little bit fatter or getting chest hair, you know? That's the time. Because the moment they actually can't take their shirts off for their little tweets and stuff like that, here's us in our pants, you know? And this is obviously a thing to do with teenage boys. They just have to show you their pants all the time. They must have brand new pairs of pants hanging around backstage to put them on so they can tweet a picture of themselves. The girl bands, I was looking at Little Mix the other day and because I was listening to them on one of those music discs, which is uh, all singing, all dancing, number 83 or something. I was playing it in the car to myself. And, you know, I was listening to it, and I didn't know who it was. They were doing this Wings song, and I thought, oh, that's Girls Aloud. And I checked, because they all sound the same. They come out of a studio, everybody sounds the same, because they're auto-tuned. That's what happens. And so I listened, and then I looked at a picture of them, and I thought, you are so controlled. You know, somebody tells you what to wear. They don't go out in this stuff normally when they're at home with their mummy and daddies. They, they, they just put this on. It's like, it's like, you know, dressing up to go on stage. So they all say, yeah, we all really love each other. You think, no, you don't. No, you don't. It is the fastest selling album. Now that's what I call Music 83. It's got some really good stuff on it. I think they've sold 295,000 in the first week. That's, that's more than anybody will sell in the singles charts. It's got everything on there. It's got, um, I think, Mumford & Sons. There's uh, Gumton Style. That one as well. And it's, it's got some really good stuff on there. I love it. I play it in the car with the kids think I'm really hip. My godchildren think I'm really hip because I'm playing all this stuff. Because I, I went through Capital the other day and they were playing a song and I didn't understand what it was. And, and so I, I said, to, I said, what is this song? I think it might have been Ant. I said, what is this song? And he, he laughed. I don't think he knew either. Because I don't know half this music, I'm afraid. I really don't. Uh, Steve, I can't wait to see Lily Savage in Aladdin at the O2. Oh, you're going to love it. You're so going to love it. He's got, he told me he's got about 16 costume changes. <laughs> I said, God. And he's doing it with John Lee from S Club 7, who he did it with before down at South. I said, we, we came to see you in Southampton. He said, why don't you come backstage? I said, because there was about eight of us. Mr Savory and... John Warrington, who sent me some lovely pictures of his mum's birthday, which I loved very much indeed, and a picture of himself in case I forgot what he looked like. I never forget what John Warrington looks like. And um, because Paul O'Grady and I go back many, many years, many years, probably about 30 years, I would think. I was two, of course, when we met. Uh, or it could be 35 years. I was three. And, um, and he was reminded... In fact, his, his memory is actually better than mine. Russell Grant, of course, I go back further with. Long, you know, practically back to my first days with LBC, Russell Grant and I. So, you know, when you see people who... And both of them... I'm the only one who hasn't had one yet. They've both had heart attacks. I think Paul's had two heart attacks. And Russell's had... He might have had three heart attacks. And, uh, and I think it's the lifestyle. So I've decided I'm going to gear my life. No more partying for me. No more staying up for the McDonald's Happy Meal. I'm sorry, it's out the window. You know, if I'm not in bed by 11 o'clock, I always say, I go home. It's as simple as that. You know, it's one of those nice things. Because you've got to look after yourself. You get a bit older, you know, make sure you look at, look at what you're eating. Make sure you look at, you know, your lifestyle, getting a bit of exercise. Oh, I hate this weather. I'm so glad I'm nicely in the... Wouldn't it be funny if we were doing this programme outside? And, you know, both Rupert and I had to sit in in Leicester Square under a giant umbrella or something like that. We could do an OB live from the, the sick pool that is Leicester Square. Ladies and people throwing up in the corner and, oh, it could be ghastly. And if we filmed it, people standing behind us waving, hello, Mum, hello, Mum, only in a foreign language. Hello, Mum, you know, because they're, they're all, it's all the students who come in. I think they're on their holidays or whatever. And they come in and they just get drunk. They just, you know why? Because at home they can't drink. If it's any Americans in town, 
You know damn well that they are drinking to get drunk, because in America you can't drink till you're 21. And they enforce it very, very strictly. Other stories from the, uh, the papers coming up very, very shortly. Plus some, some advice for Chelsea fans, I'm afraid. We have a, an open letter to Chelsea fans. I think you're being taken for a ride, but uh, we shall discuss that further on Steve Allen's Early Breakfast on LBC 97.3, where the time is now 4.30. Morning, 27 minutes to five. We lost Dinah Sheridan over the weekend, one of our best-loved actresses. She was 92. Uh, She starred in everything from Genevieve, The Railway Children. She was the mum in The Railway Children, Don't Wait Up, with uh, Nigel Havers. Uh, She was in Keeping Up Appearances. Uh, She was in Doctor Who. She was in The Mirror Cracked. She did The Hammer House of Horror. She did Crown Court. She did everything. And I'm pretty certain, I'm just trying to check, actually, whether or not there was another film that she she did. Paul Temple. For those of you old enough to remember Paul Temple. But she was was one of... I suppose, really, it would have been The Railway Children. She was Mrs. Waterbury. And uh, and it was just and in Genevieve she was Wendy and oh she was just wonderful actually she was just wonderful and I loved her and I, I was delighted that she got to the age of ninety two and so uh, <coughs> excuse me we lost her just over the weekend it's amazing how many people we lost uh, you know which which we shouldn't have done oh she appeared in Jonathan Creek as well in nineteen ninety nine so she must have been fairly old by that time but she's in a she's in my list of one hundred and twenty five. Uh, Great actresses. You know, she was... In The Railway Children, she just... You just wanted her to be your mum, didn't you? Um, uh, Philip says you're having a laugh, aren't you? 83, the worst load of rubbish they put out yet. Biggest seller, Philip. So I'm sorry in Stamford Hill. You're, you're out by yourself. I'm afraid it's the biggest seller of all of them, and it's got the best songs on it out of everything. Bar none. They've sold quarter of a million copies. They sell less to get to number one in the singles charts nowadays. And, um... One says, I saw your Bentley outside Ealing Town Hall on Saturday. Your new weekend job, driving newlyweds. Oh, no, I don't want strangers in the car, thank you very much. I've just had it validated. I don't want people sitting in there. Much as though, I'm sure they probably look very nice indeed, but uh, not in my car. That'll not, that'll not be happening, ever. I said, well, I don't know. Never say never, do they? Never say never. Uh, very quickly, 84850, steve at Oh, they sold some menus from the Titanic. I think they went for about... Um, it was either ten thousand or a hundred thousand pounds. I can't exactly remember what it was. Joe says uh, loved uh, Donny and Marie in conversation. Dawn French really good too. Sounds like you had a lot of fun. I did. That was one of our. That was one of our best ones actually. They're all good. They're all good. But that that was that was particularly good. Particularly good. Mary Martin, of course, was Larry Hagman's uh, mum. Lovely actress at all. But it's, it's very interesting that because they're halfway through filming series two and Larry Hagman has died, they're going to have to try and write him out. And they did it with Jock Ewing. Jock Ewing died in real life, but they carried on talking about him. The phone would ring in the kitchen, Miss Elliot, because it was very funny. They were supposed to be the richest family, and yet they were living in this, what can only be described as a hovel. You know, Larry Hagman's office suite, huge, 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 and yet their house, a pokey little thing, where they all crammed into one room. It was really, the, they have, as had no idea what rich people lived in, you know, what sort of houses rich people lived in. And I, I thought that was quite funny, so we sort of looked at that. And then, and then the phone would ring, and Miss Ellie would go, oh, yes, Jock, so you'll not be home just yet. I thought, he's dead. They've buried him. They're not going to dig him up and bring him to your back door, are they? It was very funny, though. And then, magically, Howard Keel pitched up. As Jock Ewing, I thought, you're not. You're, you're Howard Keel. You sing songs. 
But uh, we loved it. We uh, loved it. 84850, steve at Let's see what we've got in the, uh, in the big boys' paper today. In the mail. And uh, I'm trying to find... I, d- I, d- I whisk through the papers in the middle and, you know, at the beginning of the programme and I try and find some stories I think will either get you angry or, or not. And Victoria Pendleton was kicked off the Strictly Come Dancing, as you know. Bit sad, really, but I was delighted. I was absolutely delighted because I think she'd gone about as far as she could. There was, she couldn't have gone anywhere else, poor soul. There was, there was nothing else left. She can't dance. And, and that's about it, I'm afraid. So, so disappear. And hopefully take Brendan Cole with you. The biggest show-off you've ever seen. Oh, dreadful man. Dreadful man. Prince Charles is getting a little bit worried. He's 64. And he worries that he won't fulfil his life's ambition to do what? I've got no idea. Doesn't... I mean, I mean, what does he do? Well, he wants to be king, but his mother is not going to stand down. And he'll have to wait until she dies. That's, what, that's the oath she took. It's never going to be any different, I'm afraid. Never any different at all. But he says that uh, he's got an impatience to get things done. Uh, he says... I, th- I fear I will have snuffed it if I'm not careful. That's what they say in posh circles. You know, one uh, feels like I'm going to snuff it, you know, and uh, not, not achieve anything. You know, I did. Uh, I married Camilla. And a bit of an achievement there. And so he uh, he saved a house for the nation. I love the way they go, he saved a house for the nation. No, he didn't. Other people save it. He just puts his name to stuff. And so he's got, you know, he does his... Uh, charitable things, and he does his... But that's what he does. He doesn't actually do a proper job. Not like the rest of you. You have to get up in the morning and get out there and do something. He doesn't have to do that. He can get up, somebody cooks his breakfast every morning. He's never once had to make his own breakfast, pour hot water onto a onto a tea bag or anything like that. It would all be done terribly posh. Terribly posh. I don't know if you saw the Karl Lagerfeld documentary. That was on television over the weekend. He's actually got quite an interesting life. He admits he doesn't do anything. People do it for him. All his staff call him Sir... And he walks around. All his clothes are identical. They're all marvellous. And is what? No, you're not calling me sir. Not just yet, you're not. But you might be by next year. And uh, so, uh, or miss, depending whether the operation goes well. <laughs> or badly, as the case may be. And so you've got Karl Lagerfeld out there. And then you've got Prince Charles. Uh, Karl Lagerfeld sits there and does drawings. He says, I like to be alone. And I thought, well, of course you do. It's like writers. They don't sit there surrounded by people while they're trying to write something. You're trying to work. Like, if I had somebody sitting in the studio whilst I'm trying to do the programme, it'd be very distracting. You know, I'm thinking of having blinds fitted in all the way round. If I could push a button, they'd go, and the curtains close. I think then you would be in this little cocoon. Because it it takes some concentration to do, you know, this kind of thing every day. I mean, some people, as you've heard, struggle quite badly. and, And other people don't. Oh, the good news is over the weekend. Oh, the good news is they've made stalking a criminal offence. Not only stalking, tweeting... Facebooking, any of the social network sites. Anybody bullies you, I've told you before, anybody starts bullying you on a regular basis, you've got them. You've got them because the law has now changed. It's on your side and they're looking for prosecutions. They're looking for big prosecutions. They're looking for people who bully on a regular basis. So if you've got somebody who bullies you, and uh, especially this applies to school children, school children who actually get things from other school kids, you report it. Okay, you first of all go to the the headmistress or your teacher, whoever you're closest to, and you mention it to them. If they don't follow it up, then you go to the police and you and you get these people prosecuted. It's as simple as that. It's so simple to do now. You can find people. If somebody's got a mobile phone, then you can abs- you, you can just get them straight away. It's I mean it is so easy. It is so easy. I mean I always you know, especially here, 
It's absolutely amazing. I mean, I've got one. Wait a minute. Let's see if I can uh, find one here. And uh, this is... Well, let's see if I can find something that's... Uh, oh, the, the, this, this is a couple slightly odd. This is sort of... It's either Jill and Ben or Philip or James. So it's quite clearly a sex change has gone horribly wrong. And I know that their number, the last four digits... In fact, I've got the whole number here, is 4740. So that would be easy. I'd, I've, I've got their number written up here with all their things they've ever sent. Anything comes in abusive, straight to the police. OK, simple as that. You don't waste time with it because I've got their number, 0793, and then there's some few more numbers, and then it finishes up with the 740. I've got everybody's number here. I've got everybody's history. It's, it's quite interesting. It's, you know, and it's preserved. It stays on the computer. It's in the giant database. And anything, you flag it up, and what you do is you, you then just pass it on to the police. So from now, anybody writes anything that is offensive, anti you, something that's defamatory... You report it to the police, OK? And that way you are protect. They're looking to prosecute people. They're looking to get the internet trolls or trolls or whatever you want to call them off the streets and into the courts. They want them banged up as quick as possible. It's good, isn't it? Uh, John says, don't you think you should rephrase the bit on the news about the naked man appearing in court charged with holding an offensive weapon? Yes, we weren't sure about that either. I mean, I've got my doubts over that one. He's Ukrainian, so it won't be a very big offensive weapon, will it? You know, I don't want to be rude. da 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 18 minutes to five. That's the sort of humour you get at this time of the morning, I tell you. We're not, we're not doing anything serious, let me tell you. It's at this time of the morning. What I'm doing, I'm trying to get an audience, OK? And to get an audience... No, no, not that mamby-pamby stuff. Oh, no, no. You get, you get all those sorts of, you know, below-the-waist jokes. We do all of that kind of stuff in here. Goodness sake. Any bigger, it would have been... Anyway, you know, we do all that kind of stuff. So, the good news is that we've kicked uh, Victoria Pendleton out. No talent. Listen, you might have been lovely in the Olympics, love. OK, and people made a big fuss about, oh, aren't you gorgeous, and aren't you this, and aren't you that. And, but you're, you're dancing, it's chronically appalling, chronically abysmal, even though that programme is wiping the floor with the X Factor. And the reason is the X Factor has become a standing joke, and I think that the producers have lost their way with it completely. I think they actually could do it, but, you know, Gary Barlow, who I thought was coming in to be the sensible bit, he was the man who was going to dispense with all this stupidity that goes on, and here he is, you know, saying about Ryan, oh, I really like you. And I'm thinking, oh, stop being stupid, Gary. It's a singing competition. Stop insulting the intelligence of the people watching. And that's why you're turning off in your hundreds of thousands. And, uh, you know, that you cannot afford to have on television. Pro- oh, I'll tell you what I did pick up. Oh, I've left it upstairs. I hope nobody nicks it. But I bought the um, behind-the-scenes of Blue Peter. And this book is like the size of the Encyclopedia Britannica. It's enormous. I've left it upstairs on the desk. I shall read it on the train home, but it's so big. Written by one of the... I think it's the director of the show. And it's got everything in it, so he must have kept a diary over the years. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. So I shall read that later. We've still got flooding all over the place, from Tewkesbury in Gloucestershire to Cornwall to Somerset to Exeter, Devon. It's, it's awful. You know, we've had so much rain. Here in London, we're not doing too badly. We're not doing too badly. But it could get worse. It could get worse. And I hope... I hope it doesn't, for all of your sakes, because, I mean, that must be your worst nightmare with the house floods and you've got mud and, and all sorts of stuff coming in. Apparently, the Titanic menu, says John, that sold at Aldridge's auction house, one from the ship's a la carte restaurant, sold for £64,000. And another from the occasion of the launch of the ship went for 36000 Good God. £64,000. Isn't that absolutely unbelievable? £64,000. But you are buying a piece of history. But only a hundred years. Do you know what I want? I want to own Anne Boleyn's hair grip. 
I know you might think this is surprising, but I've mentioned this story before to you, that uh, when Anne Boleyn, was it Anne Boleyn? Was executed. The, because all the women in those days grew long hair, so they would take it down a night and they would comb it. When she was uh, executed, beheaded, um, they lifted her hair up, tied it in a knot, like a chignon kind of thing, to put on her head, and they put a hair grip in to hold the hair there so that the executioner could see her delicate white neck. <clears throat> and he did. And he chopped red off. I don't think he was particularly successful. You had to pay them extra money. Most of the executioners came from France and they were drunk. And so you were looking for expert swordsmen to take the head off very, very quickly. And so the hair grip <clears throat> was there and it held her hair up. What they did after the execution was they then sewed the head, but don't ask me why, they sewed the head back onto the body for burial. Seems a bit of a pointless exercise taking it off in the first place, only to have somebody sew it back on again. And they took the hair grip out and they still have the hair grip. And I can't remember where the blasted thing is. It's not in my house. It's not in a museum. It's, it's in it's in a, um, a stately house somewhere. I can't remember where it is. But they've got Anne Boleyn's hair grip. The hair grip that held her hair up while she was being beheaded. I mean, now that would fascinate me. That would fascinate anybody, because that's a piece of a piece of living history, isn't it? It's like having, was it Charles II's execution shirt, or Charles I's, either one of them. They're, the execution shirt is in the Museum of London. The shirt that he wore... And it's stained in blood. It just looks brown now. And they, they say that is the shirt that he was executed in. Now, that, to me, it's not on public display. It's kept downstairs. Is, is something quite fascinating. Quite, quite fascinating. And took place just down the road from here. Literally just five minutes away from here. He was executed. <clears throat> Frank Lampard makes the papers today. Oh, naughty old Frank. Why has he been naughty? He wants an old woman out of one of his flats in Barcelona, and I'll tell you who it is after this. This is LBC 97.3. Conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 12 minutes to five. Monday morning. Yuck. Isn't it awful? Yuck, yuck, yuck. Don't like it. Peter Simon says, could I go on, um, could I go on the X Factor? <laughs> Bit old now, aren't you, Peter? I don't think that's very likely. Could make holes in donuts, though, couldn't you? Is that an old story? Is that an old one? <laughs> oh dear I tell you I, I went to where did I go the other day I was watching so I was watching Bid and because um, there's a number of people on there that I know and sometimes they're selling absolute rubbish I mean sometimes you look at it and you think you can't be serious you can't be selling this stuff the, the worst ones as I've said a million times are the are the jewellery channels the rubbish that they're flogging if I see another programme with Tanzanite or Diamonique I mean, die of a neek. I mean, who in their right mind, unless you've got half a brain cell, wants to buy rubbish? They go, and it's 14 carats. You go, it's a piece of cheap glass. Oh, dear, honestly. It does make me laugh. But I do like these little helicopter things that whiz around at high speed and you can break them and crush them and they still blasted well fly. And, and you tend to forget that the charge on them is quite small. So they don't, uh, they don't last as long. But they seem such good value. You get two for 20 quid or something like that, or a car that turns over. There's always somebody demonstrating somewhere, isn't there? And I, I do like, I do like that. But Peter, the latest thing you'll be delighted to know for students is pouring a carton of milk over their head. This is the latest thing, because you know all students are druggies, don't you? They all do major drugs and sell drugs. And uh, it's just, it just in Newcastle, is it? Oh, well, no, I mean, there have been copycat sightings in Edinburgh and Oxford. And this is where... Men pour milk over the heads in public places. Four pint containers of milk across Newcastle, because they're that stupid up in Newcastle and so drugged out of their mind. Um, 30,000 of you, they're so bored up there. Uh, wait, hey, let's go buy some milk. 
And what shall we do with it? We'll pour it over our heads. And so that's what they do. They pour it over their heads. And so they've got lots of people. And uh, it's because they're limited intelligence. I'm hoping that prospective employers are looking at these people going, I don't think so. I think you better stay there. And so they've all come outside their houses <coughs> and poured milk over their heads. I don't quite get it. It's a terrible waste, isn't it, when there's people starving around the world and their students really don't care about people starving in other countries. Do you know, can you imagine in Africa they're going, we'd kill for that milk. They go, yeah, but in England, in Newcastle, students, people of limited intelligence, pour it over their heads. What And do what with it? Nothing. They just waste it. What, they don't save it? No, 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 no. They couldn't care about you starving and dying in other countries. They don't care, students. They're only interested in doing their drugs and uh, having sex with as many people as possible and pouring milk over their heads. I don't quite understand. I mean, a concrete block would be better, wouldn't it, on their heads? Oh, I did. Oh, I did. Oh, I did, did, did. I did tell you about three weeks ago, the moment Leandro finished with the ghastly, disgusting Katie Price, she would be vile. And she started. In a column this week, she's launched a physical attack, a verbal attack, on Peaches Geldof. She hates being criticised, the pricey. She hates being criticised. Every time you mention Katie Price, she retaliates because she's so sad and lonely and so insecure that she has to get her little coterie of gay mafia, they're so butch, to come out there and try and defend her. So you've got one of them, the one who makes things with MDF, but not very often, and thank God not on the television anymore. Uh, he had to sort of send a text to Leandro saying, don't make the mistake of all... He's trying to be butch. <coughs> don't make the mistake of all the other ones by slagging her off. And you think, it's a bit sad, really. Why don't you butt out and mind your own business? Because she's vile enough for everybody. And you wait till she falls out with you two girls. Woo, I tell you, life won't be worth living. And believe you me, it will happen. It happens to everybody. It happens to all of her so-called friends, because she doesn't really have friends. And so she, um, she launched into an attack in her column this week on Peaches Geldof. I was just trying to offer some advice. Well, she didn't want your stupid advice, did you? She, she was just reminding you of how your bedroom door's got to revolve on it. You know, start worrying more about that. How many more people your parents, your, your children are going to see introduces the new boyfriend or the new husband or something like that. Very embarrassing. Of course, the good news is that once they grow up, they can read all of this kind of trash in the newspapers. Then Lorraine Kelly was trying to defend Jeff Brazier about his two children and say, you know, he's, he's going to protect them until they're sort of a bit older. And not, but he's already taken them to showbiz events. And they want to know why they're not photographed the same as he is. But don't worry, boys. They don't make the papers. 90% of the pictures taken of Jeff Brazier. He's a useless presenter. It's not his fault. But he's milked the idea that he's bringing them all up by himself like it was some big deal nowadays. What does he think women do? God in heaven. Dreadful. Uh, Christopher on X Factor sounds like the new Joe Longthorn. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no, Joe jo Longthorn is a very, very, very good singer. Christopher X Factor is a third-rate ship artist. And not, not really good, I'm afraid. Not really very, very good indeed. Um... Still to, oh, I must do the Frank Lampard story. I knew it was something I was going to bring you. I've forgotten about the Frank Lampard story. This is uh, Frank Lampard, who's going out with, hi You know, they're, they're a lovely couple. He's about as big as a thrupney bit. And uh, she's not on television anymore, thank goodness. But anyway, he's been accused of behaving unscrupulously. Why? He wants his flat back. He owns a flat in Barcelona. He earns £150,000 a week, which is lovely. So happy for him with, uh, hi and I'm sure they're really lovely because she looks as old as the hills. And uh, he just looks like he's been around the block three or four times. But quite pretty, you know, in a, in a footballing kind of not really intelligent sort of way. And he used to uh, go out with uh, Ellen Rivas. This is the Spanish waitress who tried to make a career for herself by pretending to go out with Peter Andre. Because and, they had the same agent. And it was a load of old hooey. But anyway, 
he was engaged to Ellen Rivas, who apparently was a Spanish lingerie model. They don't set their sights too high in Spain, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. Any old thing can be a, a Spanish lingerie model, as long as you're prepared to get your kit off. Roxanne Pallet, that was aimed specifically for you, who's pictured in all the Sunday papers wearing her little sort of stockings and suspenders. Roxanne Pallet really is about three foot tall. That's pushing it, as you'd imagine. And the reason she's posing in stocking and suspenders is because she's going into the Rocky Horror Show. There is only one scene where she's wearing stocking and suspenders, but apparently that's enough to inflame the fans. It's a shame, really, because uh, the part she's playing isn't, isn't one of the main parts at all. And she will be called... What do they call her in the thing? They go... Uh, there's Brad so, and Janet Slag, I think. The audience shout it. They, they, they now shout obscenities during the Rocky Horror Show. It's, it's just dreadful. Uh, anyway, so this is what uh, Frank has bought in America. It's, sorry, in, uh, in Spain, in Barcelona. Barcelona. And um, it's, it's a lovely flat. It's worth about £290,000. And so Ellen Rivas's uh, grandmother, I suppose, <coughs> she's 100 years old. She's a great-grandmother. Uh, she's living in it, and he wants the flat back. So they've given her two weeks' notice. He lives in a £10 million mansion with uh, laughingly television presenter, Hi, Christine Bleakley, the one who took the audience down so disastrously on daybreak, together with um, the one who's got the very boring voice. Morning, welcome to daybreak. It's just, just, here we go, more football, boring stories. Yes, it was so dull, honestly. People nodded off during the programme while she was there. Hi, perking around all over the place. And uh, so... Now he, he wants to... I mean, quite rightly, I'm actually on his side. You know, I'm actually on his side. It's his flat, he wants it back. Although, if you look the other side of it, you go, listen, she's 100. And uh, the eviction could kill this poor woman. Well, I can quite imagine it would, but then he gets the flat back a bit quicker, doesn't he? She's got diabetes, and uh, she's got heart complications, high blood pressure. Her health is frail. And um, she said, this is Ellen Rivas, uh, Frank is acting totally unscrupulously. Well, i tell you what, Ellen... <coughs> Excuse me, as you're living in a £2.85 million house on the banks of the Thames, why don't you buy your grandmother somewhere, OK? Stop relying on Frank to do everything for you. Try and be a big girl, well, tall, well, taller, and try and do something by yourself, OK? Stop relying on people all the way through your life. You're quite clearly not much copper anything, so, you know, why don't you buy something? And that way, everybody happy. Everybody happy. Mm. Ah, lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. So, so in a way, I'm on Frank Lampard's side... The other side of it, I'm thinking she's 100, for goodness sake. I mean, how much longer can she live? Mind you, some of these 100-year-olds, they go for donkey's years, don't they? I mean, unless he desperately wants the thing back. <coughs> I don't know. But he, he wants his flat back, so he's just... Little realising, of course, it's going to make the newspapers, and that's always the problem, isn't it? The moment it hits the newspapers, people have a... People have sort of a thing against you. And he, I'm sure he's all right, Frank. I'm sure in his own little world, he's sort of... He's quite happy with... Uh, how are you? Do you know what your, gentlemen listening, do you know what your wife's bra size is? No, the word humongous doesn't come into it. You know, you have to sort of actually know what it is. Apparently, <coughs> excuse me, most men do not know. Most men, so I'll just have a quick flick of me. Thank you. Microreceptic spray, cheaper version. And uh, men do not know what their wife's bosom size is. They just go, it's, well, it's like a handful, isn't it? It's like, you know, it looks like that. They go, like that. Look, like that. Yeah. <laughs> woo, woo. Anyway, apparently some people can't even remember their wife's date of birth. I can't remember dates of birth either. I can't remember people's birthday. I remember my mother's birthday, my father's birthday. No, I don't remember father's. I remember my brother's birthday, because it always costs money. Uh, but I have to be told about everybody else. My brother has to write to me and say, 
or just sort of, you know, send me a phone call or text message saying, by the way, it's, uh, it's Jesse's birthday or Tasha's birthday. And then, uh, <coughs> for my godchildren, I don't know their birthdays either. I should know that kind of thing, shouldn't I? That should be the kind of thing I know, but I'm, I'm just terrible. People, I should keep a diary. My brother gave me a diary once, uh, for Christmas with all the family's birthday in there. But we've got such a big family. You know, I mean, really, really amazing. So, and they've got, and they have to, <coughs> excuse me, right next to them if they're deceased. I can't remember half the time. So you sort of, you, you sort of do all of this sort of thing. But a birthday book is very, very useful. Very, very useful. So I just, I, I do try and keep up with it. Excuse me one minute. I do try and keep up with it, but I just can't. Because otherwise, I'd be, what I need is a social secretary. That's what I need. I need somebody who sits down and every day goes, right, these are the birthdays you've got to do today. Here is the card. They had a woman on one of the uh, antique programmes on the television, and she'd got signed Christmas cards from Diana. And she had quite a few of them. And they were, they were to you both, Diana, or Diana and whoever else it, it turned out to be. And, uh, and she said, well, actually, it was a known fact that in the royal family, Diana and the Queen use autopen. Autopen is this Japanese invention, <coughs> I think it was Japanese, and it, it does the, um, you put a proper pen in it, and it signs the autograph in ink, so they're all identical. Because if you look at somebody's autograph, they actually change quite a lot. And so she said, but I know that yours are genuine because of the eye. It varies in all of them, which means that they were done properly, but she used autopen for a lot. She would send out thousands, but a good Diana card now, Christmas card... Maybe not, not personalised, but to you or to you both or whatever, is probably worth about 1800 to £2,000. Not bad. Got to be in mint condition. And mint condition means you don't have it framed or anything like that. It's got to be absolutely perfect the day it arrived. How many people keep those sort of things? Not many of us. I mean, I've got a few, but I don't make a big deal about it. News at 5 is next. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. And we're with you till 6.30. Morning, four minutes past uh, five. Joe says, uh, hopefully England will get tired with the X Factor and go back to making proper programmes. Well, they won't. And the reason that we like things like the X Factor is because they're cheap to make. They're very cheap programmes. Cost far more to make things like Dad's Army or anything like that. They're never going to go back to to those sort of days. Absolutely not. They really, they, they can't afford to. They're looking for something that's going to generate income very, very quickly. And it's, it's a reality show. That's why you've got no end of third-rate, sort of, you know, low-rent, Z-list celebrities, not even Z-list, who pitch up on these television programmes. You've only got to look at, at the uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, to realise if the best you can get, the best value, is Helen Flanagan, a third-rate NAF actress who hasn't worked in God knows how long, and that's the best we can get. Joe, you know, and then you also end up with sort of Limal, who was an 80s pop star, and you think that was the 80s. I mean, even Rosemary Schrager, I mean, she's not all there in the head, is she, really? Didn't have the faintest idea who he was. I mean, you know, you think, well, how can you not know? You're older than I am. You must know who he is. I know who he is. How can you not know? That's, that's what sort of worries me when you get these people that go, I don't know who you are. Like most people are probably going, I don't know who, um, who sort of Rosemary Schrager is. She's that fat woman who should eat more at the salad bar who pitches up on Alan Titchmarsh's show and, um, and, and sort of cooks. But she's, and she seems to be coping. I mean, give her a Jew. What you see is what you get. She doesn't seem to have put on any airs and graces. She's been fairly cheerful, which means there's probably a breakdown around the corner. Somebody made me laugh. They, they were talking about, 
uh, Brian Connolly having his breakdown. They said, and it's a very private thing, yet managed to pitch up on daybreak, talking to their three people who are watching it, you know, about his illness. It's an odd thing, isn't it, really? Very, very odd thing. Other stories in the papers were coming round too. I've got a piece of... Uh, it's an open letter, actually, to Chelsea fans. Chelsea fans, which is, which is quite... I'm not really bothered about Chelsea fans, but I just feel you're getting the rough end of a pineapple at the moment. No, nobody seems to care very much about you. They really don't care very much about you. And let's face it, the busiest man at Chelsea is the one who keeps painting all the signs in the car park, you know, every time a manager leaves. They don't seem to last five minutes now, do they? That's the trouble with these Russian oligarchs. They've got loads of money, but they don't really care about you. And they quite clearly, in this case, do not. Nick Ferrari, this morning, it's Leveson out this week, expected to cause a bit of a ruckus. Somebody was in the papers this week, it was an ordinary person. When I say ordinary, like you. Yes, you. A very ordinary person. He says that Leveson has been hijacked by celebrities. And that's true, that's all you think about, isn't it? The celebrities and how much money they're going to get uh, out of it. And so Nick will be asking the question, is it time to regulate the press? We'll catch up with how Boris is coping in India. And how do you think Christianity should be taught in schools? I don't know. We, I mean, I'm assuming mine was a Christian school. I can't remember, really. We did morning prayers, but nobody particularly bothered with it. We sort of mumbled our way through a few hymns, and that was about it. Uh, the good news is, this morning, that Ryland Clark was booted off the X Factor. This is the spray-tan-loving, no-talent Essex boy who needs to go back and find himself a proper job. The world of celebrity doesn't need you. We don't need another, another drunk out there on the streets, I'm afraid. And that's the picture in the papers that we saw. Uh, he's he, not blessed with a with the most outstanding voice. Uh, he did Mamma Mia and a Supreme Medley. Uh, Gary Barlow said it was too Eurovision. It wasn't even that low a standard, I'm afraid. It was so appalling. Uh, we had um, uh, the Pussycat Doll, uh, Nicole Scherzinger, and she said he should go home. And I agree. Go home, stay home. OK? Try and find yourself a proper job. Try and be an adult. You know, 24 years old, but uh, behaviour... Seven, eight, something like that. Uh, the show featured performances by Rihanna and Bruno Mars. And then you had, uh, I think it was Union J who did Snow Patrol's Chasing Cars. But it's also multi-tracked now, isn't it? You really want to say to them, I'll tell you what, let's hear you all singing now when we take away the microphones. Victoria Pendleton was kicked out of uh, Strictly Come Dancing. So that was good news. Goodbye, goodbye. OK, go back, do something interesting now. Go find yourself a proper job. Stop sort of hanging around the silly world of celebrity. It's a little bit embarrassing. And the latest contestant to leave, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, is Colin Baker. Gutted over that one. The nice Colin Baker. But they had to do a thing with Eric Bristow, who's not a nice person. Don't like Eric Bristow at all, I'm afraid. So we've managed to kick out so far. Nadine Doris, deeply unpopular with everybody. Nobody likes her. In fact, she's, she's so shallow, she's almost like a little tributary, isn't she, of the Ganges. Brian Connolly quit on medical grounds, and Mr Baker, Colin Baker, the former Doctor Who star, said it was, it was good to be leaving the Australian jungle. I don't know if you've started buying your Christmas toys on Amazon, but there is some advice here uh, on being very careful, because third-party sellers cash in on the soaring demand. Third-party sellers on the website, on Amazon, are changing their price depending on the supply and the demand. So what they did, they've actually been around and they, they've tried. Uh, at the moment, uh, this is Lego Friends, Olivia's house, pictured. It's one of the 2012 top toys for Christmas, being sold at one stage for £20 above the £69.99 recommended price. Which reminds me to tell you again, 
Marks and Spencers are knowingly ripping you off in Twickenham. I tell you this now, quite categorically, because yesterday I went to buy my papers. I bought them from Mr Modi. I find it so much easier with, uh, with a news agent who actually looks at the price on the paper. As about, imagine the scenario. So I go in to buy, I have to get some milk <clears throat> yesterday, some, uh, some, some, uh, some semi-skim milk. So I go and buy the semi and I think, I tell you what, I'll, I'll test out Marks and Spencers in Twickenham just to see if the word is filtered down from head office and from management to check the price of the papers. So I buy a copy of the Express. OK, the Express is the ludicrous price of pound thirty. I mean, frankly, it's the last time I should be buying the Express. But anyway, pound thirty. So I go to the till, I pay for the milk, and I see the paper flashed up, and it comes up as pound thirty-five. So uh, the bloke goes, that's £4, whatever it was. And I said, how much was the Express? He said, one thirty-five. So I hold the paper up to him, you know, trying, trying to hold it back, thinking this has now gone on with Marks and Spencers for months. It's either just the Twickenham branch or they're ripping you off big time. Small wonder customers are deserting. Small wonder. And so I said, it says pound thirty. And so he looks at me with a straight face and he goes, yes, but it says one thirty-five on the till. And so what I wanted to say to him was, you can't be this stupid. You cannot be this dim. But instead, I say, but you can't sell it above the recommended retail price. He goes, oh, right. Well, of course, he doesn't know what to do. So he has to ring his little bell. So somebody comes over. And I'm thinking, what I wanted to do yesterday was go back into Marks and Spencers to see if they're still selling it for pound thirty-five. Because that's what it comes up on the till. And 99% of you do not sit down there and check the prices. Mainly because the prices are not actually on the goods anymore. They're only on the shelf. But on the newspaper, you can see it. So if you bought, and it, it, for three papers it worked in there, the Daily Star on Sunday, the Sun on Sunday, and the Express. Those were the three papers that Marks and Spencer. So still, months later, they're ripping you off, knowing that they're ripping you off. They know because I've already told them. We've to- you've told them, I've told them, and still they're doing it. Now, this is either blatant incompetence from the management at Marks & Spencer, where you hardly ever see them now. You hardly ever see They go hiding out in the storeroom with a yoghurt. And frankly, you know, I don't buy my food there anymore. I go elsewhere. I go to Waitrose. Better choice. Admittedly, the staff on the tills are near death, but I like to be there with them at the end, as they're just about putting the Heston Blumenthal Christmas pudding through. Marks & Spencer's, totally unimaginative. Party food, rubbish. Rest of it, I don't want to buy three items. I only want to buy one item. So it's, it's not catering for me, and that's why people are deserting them. And people are going to Waitrose, and so they're getting better service. But uh, again, still selling the newspapers. So I tweeted yesterday, <coughs> excuse me, saying, <coughs> oh, me, the excitement. Uh, they're still ripping you off. They're still ripping you off. It's just, it's just not good enough. And they don't, the worst thing is, they don't seem to care. They really don't care. They couldn't give a stuff whether they cheat you or not. You feel like saying to them, look, I mean, how many months does this go on for? You know, I've seen the manager in here. I've told, and still nothing. Still nothing at all. Brilliant time. Up north, says Paul. Weather very kind to us. This is the uh, Steve Allen unofficial fan club meeting. And uh, they went to the Christmas market. They took hundreds of pictures. They did Central Library. And, uh, and they did everything. The next jaunt, he said, will be in the, uh, the spring we may go to Blackpool. God, there's a place you don't want to go to in a hurry, isn't it? Blackpool. He says, in the meanwhile, though, down south, I know that Diana, Sheila and Raimondo, Jackie, Marion, Rhett, Simon, Winnie and many more are looking forward to the Christmas lunch. So hello to Miss Diane's better half, Conrad, who, like the rest of us, was 37. I've decided 37 is the, is the best, best age. The best age. R.I.P. Larry Hagman, the lovely Diana Sheridan. 
She was the last of the original cast of Genevieve, and of course remembered as Mrs Waterbury, the mother of Phyllis, Peter and Bobby in The Railway Children, survived by her daughter Jenny Hanley, and her siblings, uh, who is of course an actress and a former presenter of Magpie. Paul says, on the subject of the, uh, the man, the Ukrainian who climbed the statue and took his clothes off, where did he hide his offensive weapon? Back to Ukrainian again. Back to Ukraines. They've got loads of little hidey places. Loads of little hidey places, I think. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, another one here. And this is from... Wait, I keep losing some of these things. Uh, there you go. Ryan, Ryland Clark Steve was not musical in any way. And that's a handicap in the music industry. Well, it's not. I wish I could... Do you know, I wish I could say it was. I wish I could say it was a handicap, but it's not. Nowadays, you look at Little Mix, and you look at all the people who get into the charts, the One Directions, you know, all so carefully put together in a studio, so carefully crafted, that, that people think that you don't know what you're listening to. That's why you could listen to one of these Now Music 80, 82, 83, whatever they are things, coming up, and you... And you, it could be anybody singing. You could listen to Girls Aloud. It could be One Direction. It could be the Spice Girls. It could be anybody. They all sound, <coughs> excuse me, exactly the same. And that's why it's a little bit worrying. <coughs> Jay says, if you told the manager about the papers, oh, countless times, countless, to the point of boredom in Marks and Spencer's, I'm afraid, to the point of boredom. It's just sad that they feel it necessary to, to sort of not check. Their t- they go round all the time with little things. Why are they not checking the newspapers on a Sunday? I mean, perhaps they like to make a bit of extra. Perhaps it's to pay for the staff Christmas party. Shame, really. And uh, Patricia says, I have no view one way or the other about Katie. But, oh, of course you do. Don't be so silly. Of course you've got an opinion. How, how naff. To not, I don't have an opinion. Of course you do. Or do you not have an opinion about wars or anything like that? Of course you've got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. But anyway, it says here, um, uh, I don't have any opinion about her whatsoever. Uh, oh, I've lost the blasted thing. But uh, but I think recent events have proved her, the remarks of her adversary, Miss Geldof, wrong. The latter, apparently, is one of those wrong-headed people who thinks dogs and babies are a lovely combination. They aren't. I know, we have seen stories like it. And uh, from one here, Victoria Pendleton had all the life of a showroom dummy and Strictly came over as a spoilt drama queen. Oh, no, no talented old has-been, I'm afraid. <laughs> News headlines this morning brought to you by Eleanor Noakes. Extra police will patrol parks and schools. Morning. I love getting letters. Chick wrote to me from uh, from West 11 and said, to be quite honest, I'll be glad when you go on holiday. So I thought it was a bit hurtful. You know, because I'm not really, not a holiday person, actually, strangely enough. But the, And I, I sort of read further into the letter and discovered that it was the reason that Chick wants me to go on holiday so he can get some sleep. <laughs> Apparently. Wakes up every morning and, um, and, and so at four o'clock. It's ridiculous. I'm not getting any sleep whatsoever. He says, I, I both love and hate you. You know, love all the time, but hate because I'm not getting any sleep. And so it's, I've been meaning to communicate for ages. Tara, my daughter, worked for nearly ten years in Bramley Road, and uh, I found you about three years ago. Can, can you please go on holiday soon? Because I'm suffering from sleep deprivation. Like, it's my fault. I mean, sorry, I work on the assumption I'm up. For work, everybody else can... You can go to sleep later, I don't mind about that. It's going to be a miserable day anyway. If you're in bed now and it's all warm and cosy and it's lovely and it's it's just nice, then that's that's good for you. In Australia, says Norm. Oh, hello, Norm. Uh, we have this supermarket code of practice that if the till runs up a different price to that on the shelf and you point it out, you get the item for free. Oh, God. In Marks and Spencer, I don't think so. At the moment, the... Uh, 
the, it's it's all a bit sad, I'm afraid. The profits are sliding. Customers are moving away. Not not so good. And it's all because of this stupid paper thing. You'd think they could sort it out, wouldn't you? But they appear <clears throat> not to be able to. And and I worry about it. The standard in Marks and Spencers has slipped noticeably. Noticeably. Me, the die-hard Marks and Spencers customer. I mean, I kid you not. Top to toe, Marks and Spencers. Food, Marks and Spencers. Now, had enough. Still get my clothes there. Because, you know, they seem to have sizes that kind of fit all sorts of bodies. And that's good news. So I'm quite happy with that. But unfortunately, the standard of food, it's shoddy. Very, very shoddy. Nothing original. Nothing there for, for the likes of me anymore. It's Waitrose. So, Waitrose, I go to. Uh, Johnny, he says, two quick points. Will there be an extensive interview process to be your social secretary? Because I need one. I need somebody to say to me, listen, today is Monday. Today you've got nothing to do. Got to speak to your accountant at some point and sort of sort out a date for later this week. Plus, I've got to go and pick up my, my Christmas tree. Because only, I only have a Paul Cooper Christmas tree every year. We don't go for anybody else, thank you very much indeed. I made some man take it down the other day. <clears throat> I said, excuse me, I said, did you put that tree up there? He said, yes, sir. Could you remove it? I didn't ask for it. He said, yes, sir, I'll do that. I thought you are patronising so-and-so. Try that one with me, matey. So anyway, so I've made them take the tree down. But they've stupidly put lights up. I noticed them this morning outside Len Smith's. And they put solar lights on the tree, which, as you know, last about half an hour. And frankly, you might as well have had a match held underneath it and go, look, a match. That's it. Anyway, Johnny's CV is nothing remarkable. He says, but I will be contacting my local MP for advice on how to get noticed, as it seems being an MP is a stepping stone to celebrity lifestyle. Regarding the various reality series still being forced on the British public, do you think there's an end in sight? Or is it down to the advertisers still making money out of the fodder? Johnny's preparing for the gym. Ruth H. sends her love. Tells me she's still getting no room on the sofa with Mr E, who's sulking and sweating. This is, did you read, uh, last week we gave you the story... That uh, Eamon eaten all the pies, Holmes and uh, Ruth, <sighs> Fag End Langsford, about put public arguments up on YouTube. <clears throat> now, according to an article in one of the papers over the weekend, he's desperate to retire, so say all of us, and she's desperate to be famous. Mm, a little bit old for that now, but anyway, at least she's making the effort. But the arguments that they're putting up on YouTube have apparently attracted a bit of an audience, but it's all fake. I mean, you can see it's fake straight away. They're so desperate for publicity, this couple. But he's never going to be liked. Not in the way that Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby are liked. And, and the reason is that he's got no sense of humour. If he had a sense of humour, and it's all... For, he's a bit... Sometimes his comments to poor Ruth are a little bit... Let's just call them below the belt. It's cheap, shoddy, sexual innuendo. I can't even say the word. Sexual innuendo. And it makes her look a bit cheap, and she's not. She's not. We like Ruth. We wish she stopped smoking because, you know, the, the lines are appearing, all the cracks. And, uh, and he's just, there's no sense of humour there. It's so fake. And it didn't used to be. There was a time when he was really good and then it just kind of went off the boil. And I don't know why. I don't know why. It's a shame, really, but he's obviously as desperately unhappy as he looks, I suppose, most of the time. But they put these things up and so they've done a feature on them, which, of course, she'll be delighted. Oh, look, we're in the papers. We're in the papers again. Whereas, in fact, you know, ask people out on the street. Naff. Naff couple, I'm afraid. Naff couple. Uh, on the X Factor last night, uh, Rihanna performed her number one hit, Diamonds, whilst being surrounded by a rain shower. She finished the song dripping wet as the rain started overhead. Don't they realise electricity and water don't go together? You're assuming the mic was live. <laughs> You're assuming she wasn't miming. I didn't see it, so I've got no idea. Jackie says, uh, the Waitrose staff in Hersham are lovely. Waitrose do employ older staff, which is good, don't you think? No, not round our way. 
Not round our way. I mean, they are the oldest staff. They don't live in Twickenham, the Waitrose. In fact, most staff who work in supermarkets in town don't live there. <clears throat> Some of the staff in Twickenham come in from Brixton. They get miles. Miles away. I don't know why they don't employ local people. I can't, can't quite fathom out. I don't know, perhaps it's for the, for the point of, uh, of people ripping them off. They did have a manager there some years ago who was, in fact, stealing from the store. Bit naughty. Bit naughty. He was a ghastly old queen. He really was. He used to turn up in his little, uh, little um, skirt at Christmas. His little, um, what do they call them, kilts. Mind you, I, d- I don't know if you noticed the other day that there was a piece in the paper that a lot of Comet staff have been visited by police at home because it turns out a lot of Comet staff were a bit light-fingered. And if they heard that the shop was closing, they started stealing. So the police have gone round there and have managed to retrieve a number of items, so expect more court cases. Producer says, when I worked in a shop, my manager was escorted out of the building by police. Had he been naughty? Well, he must have been escorted out by police. Had he been what? Oh, it's a she. Has she been stealing? She's been taking things. <gasps> Has she really? Oh, naughty, naughty. I love stories like that. I love stories like that. The one in, um, the one in uh, Twickenham, they actually played it down. I knew about it because all the staff told me. But apparently it turned out he'd been nicking with another member of staff. <laughs> Not to ever work again. Love things like that. I love stories like that. Uh, 84850, uk. Rob says, I should be in bed, but I can't sleep. I think I've painted the living room the wrong colour. I've been fretting for hours. Oh, never mind, love. Just sort of lie back, forget about it. Um, <clears throat> another one here. This is... Uh, uh, you can charge above the mark recommended price. Not good to do so, but as an ex-news agent, it's what the Sun said when we complained about the cut price. Well, you still make a profit on it. Still make a profit, so it doesn't doesn't really make uh, too much of a difference, does it? Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. A lot of people not liking uh, Katie Price. Yes, I mean she's in her column. I'll read it out. I'll I'll do it for you in the free podcast today. She's quite nasty. And I did say, what was the advice we offered to Leandro Penna, who was uh, a very nice, personal young man. Unfortunately, the moment he took up with her, I'm offering advice, saying, listen, don't go within a mile of her. She's vile. She's a nasty piece of work. Why do you think she's got all exes, ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands? She's nasty. She's very, very nasty. She's got a lot of chips on her shoulder. She's got a lot of, you know, I mean, you, you could have her certified if you put your mind to it. You know, that would be, that would be really good. And, I mean, she's not a glamour model anymore. I think that those days are long since past, aren't they, for poor old Katie Price? Although Kerry Katona droned on to anybody who would listen that she's now given up drugs and she's written her, uh, her biography. Well, I say she's written it. I mean, how do you know what went on in her life? Most of it seems to be total fantasy, I'm afraid. She was sitting down there droning to uh, whoever it was. Did she do Philip? I can't remember if she did Philip and Holly Willabooby. But, uh... Kerry Katona droning on about her book. She looks so old now. So ancient. I mean, she's gone... And she's only young. She's only, like, 30 or something. Perhaps she's even young. I don't know what, how old she is. I thought she was perhaps younger than that. Very, very sad. Very sad. Nadine Dorris uh, said number 10 had probably orchestrated personal attacks on her. Oh, dear. She's so delusional, isn't she? She really is. She was speaking to Ian Dale... And she suggested female MPs who lined up to denounce her were probably trying to impress David Cameron. She's so delusional. So delusional. And um, she's attracted criticism. Uh, asked whether she feared MP would freeze her out on her return to Westminster. She said, do I care? Why would I know? That's the trouble with her. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about her constituents. She's only concerned about the big-headed Nadine Doris with no talent. No talent whatsoever at all. And she says now it's raised my profile so everyone will know who she is. Yeah. 
for about five seconds, love, and then you'll you'll disappear back into obscurity. John in Bangkok says, after seven years working out here, it's time for me to come home. 12.30 here, lunchtime on Monday and 33 degrees Celsius. Will I feel the cold when I get back? No, we are basking, John, at the moment in the middle of a heat wave. I'm delighted to lie to you this morning and tell you that it's really boiling hot over here. You cannot ever, you know, have better weather than we have. The Hern Bay Christmas lights were a bit of a, a bit of a turn-off this year. They were opened by Gareth Gates and Toya Wilcox. And it was... Oh, Pop, are you again? There's a mince pie on my desk for you if you want it. Mm, no, I'll uh, give that one to Christian. Are you sure? Will, will Christian eat a mince pie? Well, he re- he's getting so fat, honestly. He's getting enormous. It's terrible. I looked at him the other day. I thought, you're definitely putting on a bit of weight. I didn't say anything, though. I'm like that. I'm quite good. I just do it on the programme. It's so much easier. I'm floors below him. He can't get down here in time with a bit of luck. Uh, so the lights went on and they were booed. They were booed. At- Mind you, it's not just Hearn Bay. Probably loads of other places. Um, somebody said here, the traders were disappointed by the poor display of lights. They haven't invested any money. 83,000 quid. Well, it seems like a lot of money to me. The best ones are in Hammersmith. They're very... I like the ones in Oxford Street and Regent Street. But in Hammersmith, they've got these... They had them last year. They look like giant snowflakes. Blue and white. Very pretty. I don't know what Twickenham's got this year. It'll be something. And uh, Toya Wilcox says here, Hearn Bay light switch on and honour and a joy. The people are fantastic. And that what, uh, that's what counts. I can never be disappointed by lights until you've seen the picture of them. And then you realise they're the saddest lights ever. They really are quite tragic. I've got more lights on my patio than they had on the Hearn Bay Christmas tree. I wonder what Whitstable was like. I bet Whitstable have a really, really good tree. I've got this thing about Whitstable and cockles and mussels and, and, and boats pulled up on the beach. I've got this strange image in my mind of it. I don't know why, Mike. I'm just saying, I see boats pulled up on the foreshore and sort of people going out there. I need, to, I need to go and live by the coast. I've decided I'm strangely drawn to water. Pisces, I am, of course. It's LBC 97.3, Steve Allen's early breakfast. Time now is 5.30. Morning, 27 minutes to 6. And uh, Danny... At a, at a store in the country, an M&S store. He said, I've worked uh, for 22 years, and I know the frustration. The till's charging the wrong price is controlled centrally by the POS, the point-of-sale admin team. We at the store have mentioned this for ages. They don't seem to listen, apart from we're trying, and we're as pleasant as we can be where I work. We're trying. He says, don't desert m and I'm sorry, I've already deserted. I now only go in there for a second. I don't do my food shopping there anymore. And I know lots of people who work on the tills there. Glenis... Loads. I mean, I said Glennis off the top of my head, you know, because she's always there. She always goes, I heard you this morning. So we always, you know, I always have a little chat. But I've said, you know, in times gone by that the service is distinctly lacking in M&S. It, it's not there. Waitrose, they've got the oldest people on the tills. And finally, the other day, one of the managers actually got off his bottom and actually worked one of the tills, which was quite good. So that pleased me a lot. I was happy about things. Because luckily I can go in there anonymously. Nobody knows who I am in there. And so I can see things and I can come back and talk about them, which is, which is much better. Which is much, much better. I do, you know, I do think that they need to get younger people on the tills. But perhaps they don't want to work. Perhaps young people don't see that as a, as a vacation. Perhaps they don't see it as a job. And they are so slow on the tills. I mean, they, God knows. I mean, you could, you could grow a beard, I think, waiting. But I haven't checked out buying papers from them. I'm assuming they must be better than M&S. Because the M&S thing has gone for months. This is where it's only a few pence. So, in other words, they'll have the sun up on their thing as... Uh, sometimes it came up as pound fifty, but it's 90 pence. And then sometimes it goes down to 50 pence. But they don't seem to reflect this. And I wonder whether or not it runs throughout all the group or whether it's just Twickenham. 
Because you can mention to it, and I've mentioned it to the managers, and they do nothing. I mean, nothing. Any other organisation. Somebody writes in here, and they go, the, uh, the podcast for Steve Allen's show was playing up the other day. It's sorted out immediately. It is sorted out immediately. That's, that's the whole idea of it. You go to Marks and Spencer, they don't care. It's the not caring bit that annoys me more than anything. I told you, I went into Pret, just over the road from here, uh, about, when was it? Three months ago, because I went in there to buy some bacon rolls, because they do nice bacon rolls. And I was buying four bacon rolls. In fact, I was buying, I bought six. Uh, I bought six bacon rolls. So, but I go over there, and it's slightly raining, and they're having a staff meeting inside. So there's the three of us standing outside, and it's cold, and it's miserable, and we're getting wet. And eventually, the manager opens the store. Now, the bloke in front of me was quite clearly a bit mouthier than I was. And he said to the manager, it looked like the manager or the owner, whoever it is, he said, we've been standing out here for ten minutes. He said, we were having a staff meeting. And, and so I said, but then put a sign on the door saying we're not going to open till quarter past seven. But you say we open at seven. I said, don't you care about customers? <coughs> because you're not just walking past a pretch. You know, if you're going in at that time of the morning, we, we work here. We live here. This is, you know, that's our local shop. And so... I said, we were standing outside. I'm frozen to death. I said, we're wet. I said, you're having a staff meeting. I said, if in future you want a staff meeting, that doesn't bother us, but put a sign on the door saying we'll be open ten minutes later tomorrow for a staff meeting. I said, because quite clearly you don't care about customers. And he said to me, he said, I do care about customers. He said, everything free. So I picked up six bacon bats. Six, and I walked to the till. And I thought, no, I mean, I was prepared to pay. Believe you me, I'm quite prepared to... I don't, I don't want any, you know, I don't want a free lunch or anything like that. I'm not that sort of person. In fact, nine out of ten times, people will tell you, I, I pay even if somebody says don't pay. I want to pay. And he said, no, no, no charge for any of this. So we got the coffee free and I got all the bats. So we had bacon bats in the office that day. And I thought, now that's good customer service. Marks and Spencer's, nothing. Nothing. A big organisation. And small wonder that the profits are tumbling. Because we want, you know, we want to be rewarded for customer loyalty. We want to be, you know, not, not, you know, don't come around and pat us on the back and snog us or anything like that. We're not looking for anything like that. We just want somebody to appreciate that if we say, listen, why are you still getting this wrong? Somebody will do something about it. But they don't care. They're not remotely interested in customers. They can't be. <coughs> Otherwise, they'd have sorted this problem out ages and ages ago. And that's what's so annoying about it. It's a British company. A British company ridiculous. Michelle says, if the tills in M&S showed a price that was cheaper than the recommended retail price, it'd be sorted out quickly, you can bet. I absolutely agree. Sanjay says, I've just been for a four-mile running session. You must be mad. A four-mile running session. Marks and Spencer's mince pies for breakfast. Good grief. <laughs> 84850 uk. I've just bought my Christmas CD, Great Songs. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. That's my favourite, says Philip. That sounds like sounds like one of those joke. It's a very rude Australian comic who does a song about uh, little Jimmy or whatever his name is waiting for his Christmas presents, and he doesn't get what he wants from Father Christmas. It's it is very very rude, I'm afraid. Uh, Graham says, "Why did the X Factor try to fool people by putting on stage musicians pretending to play their instruments when you can quite clearly see they're not even plugged in?" Well, they did it. <coughs> Excuse me, at the Royal Variety Performance, Rod Stewart is singing, When you wish upon a star, makes no difference. I mean, Rod Stewart, you know, Rod Stewart who brought you Maggie May and rocking and all this kind of stuff, singing a Disney song. It's kind of a little bit sad and a little bit soporific. But anyway, he's singing it, and they've got girls playing violins 
But they're not playing violins. You can see they're not playing. They're all out of tune, hopelessly. They're all, they're not, well, they're not even in tune. It makes no difference. They're just pretending to play violins. And I thought, do the, do the public get fooled by this kind of thing? I don't know. We like Catherine Jenkins coming on and miming. And, of course, you know, she doesn't need to mime. She sings. She sings. Sings very well as well. Very well in. It's a good programme. I thought the Royal Variety was good this year. One of my favourites. Not sure about the venue, though. Not totally sure about the venue. I'm not, I'm not sure that the Royal Albert Hall is... Is the best place, is the best place to, to have a, what I call an intimate thing. As, as Rod Gilbert, the comedian, told me, he said it, it's, uh, it's, it's awful for comedians because you can't engage with anybody. You know, you need to, you know, comedians need to see people's faces for, for it to have any, any impact. And of course it didn't there. He said, so I just gave up. He said, I, I just aimed the whole thing for the television camera. There's a camera that runs, you'll see it, it runs around the bottom of the, uh, of the stage. Which is very interesting. Uh, you're sounding good today, says Noreen. On the in conversations, the throat sounded poorly. Staff meeting, put notice up. Bad management. Thank you. She said, oh, God, now you're coughing. I know. It's, I'm, I'm fits and starts with this one. But I tell you what, it's running, it's running through the business. The amount of people who I've, I've sat near or recently who are coughing and <coughs> like that. And it's, it's a re- it sounds like a smoking cough, doesn't it? That's the annoying thing about it. But I think what it was yesterday, went for a walk in Regent's Park, about an hour, always do an hour, and it, it's quite nice. But it was, oh, my goodness me, it was the wind. And I should have put a scarf on, but I didn't. Didn't put a scarf on. But what, I, what, I'm, what I'm doing is I will, uh, I shall go home today, have a bit of a rest, go out, get a bit of exercise. You know, I like to do things. I've got, I'm trying to order a watch for one of my godchildren. And they, they've given me the details, but I can't find the blooming thing anywhere. So I should come around to that, because now is the time that you've got to start buying your Christmas presents. You know, if you want to get things delivered... Oh, that's right, I knew I've got to go somewhere. So I've got to go to Kingston to go and buy some some Zara perfume. And I shall get that, uh, that I've sorted out. Most of them I've sorted out. Chris and Sharon are easy. My brother's easy. Money. In fact, most people I know want money. Most people... My friend Helena, I said, what would you like for Christmas? Thinking she's going to come back and go perfume, but she never does. She always goes, you know what I want for Christmas. So every year I give her money. And then you can buy what you want. I mean, it's an old thing, isn't it? If you're a kid or you're a younger person, then there's specific things that you want. I don't want to go into what I've bought so far because they might be listening. And then they go, oh, that's what Uncle Steve's bought us this year. But it's what they've asked for. No point in sort of giving them something that they don't want. And then people ask me and I don't know. I'm really hopeless for Christmas. I really do not know. Yeah, you see, I can buy everything myself. That's a silly thing. There's nothing that I can't think of that I could buy. That I, that I really want. You know, if somebody says to you now, if you're an adult and you've got your own place and you've got a car and you've got a job, and you go, what would you like for Christmas? I can't think of anything. I absolutely can't think of anything. There's nothing. You know, so I put down pillowcases, fitted sheets. I mean, how stupid is that? Doesn't even sound like Christmas, does it? So when they give it, to, oh, I know what Christmas Sharon bought because I've already seen it. We already bought it when we went to Chelmsford. And it's beautiful. It's a vase with a light in it. It's a vase or a vase. And it's really lovely. <coughs> I mean, it really is lovely. And we saw it and went, oh, I like that. I want that. And it's like a crackle glaze, blue. Love blue. And it's got a light in it and just illuminates the whole thing. It's wonderful. So that I've got, and I'll be very happy with it. And then I'll say to them, listen, what do you want for Christmas? And they'll say, well, we were thinking of buying this. And I'll say, well, I'll give you the money for that. And that way, people get what they want. No good buying somebody something they don't want for Christmas. And men are the worst. Men are the worst. They go out to the shop. There'll be a, a woman working, you know, Estee Lauder or whatever, showing a little bit of cleavage. And uh, she'll be leaning forward on the desk going, well, we've got this gift set here. And the man goes, God, oh, blimey. I'll tell you what, I'll have that gift set then, love. And so he buys this stuff. 
you know, smell of the wild or whatever it is, takes it home and the wife, you know, because all women have got the perfume that they use. You've all got your own signature scent that you've probably used for ages and ages. It's only when you're very young do you alternate with these things. You don't. But because the woman wearing the red dress with the big bosom is leaning over the counter and going, we've got this gift set here, and this comes with, as she holds it underneath one of her bosoms, you know, it comes with the bubble bath. And, um, and then you get an image in your mind, I suppose, don't you, of sort of bubbles. And uh, my auntie Enid could make bubbles in the bath. Nothing to do with anything she put in it. She was just one of those people. And uh, sometimes you'd go in, they'd be quite funny, actually. It'd be like a like, little little rising geezer it was going on in the bath water. Make her own waves as well, if you pushed her. So she would sort of... <laughs> Bless her heart. She's still with us, in body, if not in mind. And, and, and you, you buy people these gift sets, because they're easy to wrap. And sometimes, if you ask them nicely in the shop, they will wrap them for you. They're very good at Estee Lauder and probably Shiseido and all the other big, big perfume counters. And they wrap it all up for you. And you just give it to somebody, don't you? And the woman goes, oh, I'll have to wear the call of the wild. Oh, how lovely. And they put it on, it smells like cat's wee. And uh, but they think, well, obviously he likes it, so I'll wear it. And the bloke goes, I don't like the smell of that. Because all he's thinking in his mind is the red dress and the big bosoms leaning over the counter. And that's why they sell it at Christmas. All the people are there. Everybody's got tons of makeup on. You know, and it's, I mean, if they were standing there in a bask and suspenders, you'd probably buy it as well. And that's how they do it. And then they sell it on, on these shopping channels. And I was watching one woman the other day, and I'm totally convinced she's got it wrong. She was spinning so much of a lie, I didn't believe it. She was showing you Shiseido. Shiseido perfume, which is called Zen. But she called it Shiseido perfume, as if Shiseido was the name, as opposed to it being the manufacturer. She didn't quite know what she was going on with. And she kept... And I haven't checked it. I'm going to have to check it later on, just to make sure. But she she kept going on about the fact that Mr Shiseido handpicked... And I thought, I don't think there is a Mr Shiseido. I don't think there is. I can't remember. I shall have to check on the internet. Because otherwise she was spinning the biggest lie I've ever heard on television. We're going to come round to uh, celebrity tweets. We've got some lovely ones from from Cheryl Cole and from Ollie Moons. Uh, we've already uh, got rid of George Lineker. I mean, a bigger waste of space should be hard pushed to find. Yes, I, we, we wish we got rid of George Lineker, don't we? And uh, also Fern, Fern Cotton and, uh, and Sam for Ears. That's the one having the relationship, apparently, with Johnny Essex. Sorry, Joey Essex. Johnny Essex. <laughs> Wishful thinking. And, uh, and so, and, but the funny thing is, as opposed to picking up the phone and going, I really love you, which, of course, we don't believe, uh, it's that they actually tweet things to each other. It's really... And she's she's the one with the really piggy eyes. You can't miss her. Piggy eyes and desperately unattractive. Sam for ears. Soon to be dropped, I hear, from the programme. Or is that wishful thinking? News headlines with Eleanor Noakes. Extra police are going to be on patrol in parks and schools in Enfield. Good morning. 12 minutes to 6. I work for a large retail chain, says Nicholas. I agree the prices are set by head office. However, our stores have the facility to change the prices locally if there's any error, and head office will then correct, which would avoid the problems you've encountered at M&S. Don't understand, as they're a much larger business, uh, that they don't have the facilities on their tills to do it. Very easy to blame head office, but it could be the store. Well, at one point, it then flagged it up check the price of this paper. So they would put the express in and it would say, check it. Well, that appears to have gone now. And still they're charging the wrong price on a Sunday. I didn't do the other two papers. I mean, I, I should do it next week and I'll, I'll let you know next week because I don't think they just give a stuff about you. And that's, that's the depressing side of it because a, a company gets my business if they've looked after me. I'm not expecting bowing and scraping. I'm not expecting somebody to do anything interesting. I know that in M&S they have so... So much time to pack the bags. They're given so much time to pack so many items. Whereas in Waitrose, I don't, I don't know what they're given time for. 
don't know, just, just being alive, I think, some of them. Uh, the Frank Lampard story is not new. If memory serves, he did try to take the flat back before, even, I suspect, while still with Ellen. Might be one of the last front pages the news the world had. As for the Marks and Spencer's disaster, the prices are programmed in at both national and store level. And even if it was a national thing, they could easily override the national price list on the store's computer. I'm assuming, says Paul, it's all too common symptom that all major stores suffer from having bulldozed all the local stores away. It's called Can't Be Bothered. Do a Maplins in Iceland again. You got the results then? Did anybody see Come to... Oh, I did see... Did you see Come Dine With Me? The Irish version. It was, it was a veritable fairyland. Three blokes of dubious sexuality and an Irish beauty queen. At one point, one of them... I can't remember who the people were. One of them was an actor who we've never heard of. One was this very old dowager queen. And another one was a singer. And in the end, the... Oh, sorry, one of them was a newspaper writer who was quite revolting, who wasn't Irish... And then one of them threw a glass of wine over the other one in somebody else's house. In somebody else's house. And then the other one threw a glass of wine over it in somebody's house. And the bloke whose house it was was going, I'm now going to clean all this red wine off my walls. I was horrified. They were such disgusting people. Absolutely terrible. Um, I, didn't, I didn't ever see Come Date with me. It was just come to, oh, I did. Wait a minute. This is where a girl had to cook a meal for somebody and try and win him over. Oh, it was dreadful. It was dreadful. And uh, Okara, was it her friend? She was a producer here. Her friend was one of the contestants. Oh, dear, was it really? I did see the programme. It was a bit... And didn't some of them just get drunk on the programme? It was a little bit low rent. It's like, come dine with me, come dine with me, but we're dating as well. And then the best one got to go on a date with this person. It's all a bit shallow, I'm afraid, a little bit, little bit naff. I, didn't, I wasn't a big fan of it. Quickly, let's find out what these celebrities are tweeting about at the moment. Uh, anything like George Lineker... You know, he should be taken out and shot, I'm afraid, just for sort of, just for being stupid and being a bit empty. He should be in Nubar. I'm assuming that's a club. I don't know if he's old enough to go. He said, but instead I'm in bored out of my tree. Oh, dear. Nothing trivial, I hope. He says, I need to have more nights out. Even the producer's written, uh-oh, which is kind of right. Cheryl Cole. Did anybody see that ghastly programme about Cheryl? She's got more issues in her life than you can ever imagine. This was called Being Cheryl. And it's where Cheryl showed you how to be Cheryl. And Cheryl here, and Cheryl there. I mean, she just came over as sad and lonely, I'm afraid, and desperately, desperately unloved by just about most people. And then she tweets things. When you take things for granted, the things you're granted get taken. What that mean? Has she been at the sherry, do you think? She's been at the cooking sherry, hasn't she? And uh, somebody called here. Who's Lana Del Kay? I don't know who Lana... But anyway, she's tweeted... Oh, is Lana Del Rey is a sick... But this one's not. She says, if you're a girl and you say you don't have a girl crush on Cheryl Cole, you are lying. Right. A little bit of a worry there. Yes, Cheryl... Well, I don't understand the retweets. 5,952 times a retweet. What was that? Does that mean the people who follow her are a bit sad? I suppose they'd have to be. Fern Cotton. And uh, th- this is the girl pregnant... And so she's off at a Rolling Stones gig. Rolling Stones were incredible tonight. Such a magical gig. And then she sent a picture of it. That's Fern Cotton at the Rolling Stones. No, she's miles away from the stage. Considering she's Fern Cotton, that's almost like you're in another country, isn't it, Fern? Felt a bit disappointed. I felt like saying my friend was right up the front. Is that the best you actually got? I mean, you can just about... Nope, you can't see the Rolling Stones at all on the stage. It could be anybody. We went to... Who did we see at the Royal Variety Performance? Was somebody singing? It could have been Alicia Keys, but the lighting was so bad, they could have brought out Pinky and Perky. We wouldn't have known. I couldn't... I heard her singing, but that was it. 
Uh, Sam for ears, at Samantha for ears. That's the one with the piggy eyes. In the only way is Essex. Must get those sorted out. And um, in bed now, sweet dreams, I blew a kiss. They're quite disgusting, aren't they, really? Her and Joey Essex. We don't believe they're an item at all, I'm afraid. And, um, oh, yes, I must tell you very quickly exactly what's happening with Susan Bookbinder this morning. Uh, she's got Tom Cheel. You know, Tom Cheel is with Boris in India. I did warn him before he went. I said, just remember, don't drink water unless it's bottled and sealed and don't have ice in any of your food. Try not to eat from any of the uh, the street places because I know people who've been over to India and they've become so ill because of contaminated water and anything that's associated with it. So in other words, if you have a salad, it'll be washed in contaminated water. So you don't have anything like that. You make sure that everything is cooked properly. I said, and only bottled water. Don't ever trust anything else at all. They're going to be talking, and the same with Nick Ferrari this morning, about whether or not schools should teach Christianity. Well, it depends who's going to be teaching it, doesn't it? There's so many branches of Christianity. So many. Oh, new bar is in Essex. We're just trying to find out exactly where it is. Oh, dear. Who ca- oh, it's in Epping. In Oh, in Epping. Oh, no. Oh, dear. And that's where George Lineker goes, is it? He's not old enough. I'll have a word with the management. We'll sort that one out. Uh, Genevieve Edwards from the Terence Higgins Trust will be telling Susan Bookbinder William and Harry have now announced their support for the HIV charity, like Diana did. So that's good news, isn't it? A little bit better later than never, I suppose. It's been going for some years, and Diana has been dead since uh, a long, long time. Ollie Murs tweeting, couple of digestive biscuits, Twix, a cup of tea, and something... Recorded. This is how I celebrate a number one ha-ha so rock and roll. Apparently, Ollie's got a girlfriend. He's got a, he's got a, a girlfriend now. He's keeping her quiet because he doesn't want to, you know, jeopardise it. And I suppose he's quite right. You don't want to jeopardise something like that, do you? Um, <clears throat> Patricia says, you're correct about solar-powered lights. <clears throat> Excuse me, I threaded a string of them, subtle little white ones through the branches of my leafless tree. They barely twinkle for five seconds. Which is, uh, well, actually, I've got, I bought these lights the other day, which work on battery, but they're outdoor lights as well. I bought 196 for 30 quid, and I bought them from uh, a garden centre down the road. Not Squires. I didn't get them from Squires. They came from, I can't remember, another garden centre down the road from me. And I put them up there, and what they do is they come on for a few hours, then they go off. And for 30 days, they will go on and off by themselves quite happily. Uh, on three AA batteries, and they're nice, bright ones, so I put those out there, and I've got those up, and because they're all-weather lights, they're fine. The solar lights I've got, but I tend to find, in the winter, we don't have enough sunlight to keep them going. You know, they, they may be... If you're lucky, they'll go for half an hour, and they're so, they're so tiny and pale, because they're just solar. They, you aren't going to get anything off of them. That's why it made me laugh. They put them on the Christmas trees above Len Smith's, the sports shop, and you can barely see them. You'd be better off holding a match underneath. Uh, uh, John says, can I buy a box set of Till Death as Dupont? Amazon, I should imagine. Amazon. Uh, we found it. We found it. It's on Amazon, is it? Play, play.com. Okay. Play.com. New bar, Loughton High Road. Somebody said it was a dump. <laughs> well, it would be if George Lineker's going. I wouldn't want to go to any bar where George Lineker went. Oh, dear me. No, thank you. And, uh, and Kevin, the self-employed milkman, says, why go to M&S? You should support your local independent retailers. We care so much more. Well, we don't really have anywhere like that. We don't, you know, I, I wish, I wish we did. But we, do, we don't. You know, I would happily go to a little corner shop where you could still buy two rashers of bacon and some eggs and cook yourself a nice breakfast. <gasps> love that. I would love, actually. I would love, love a nice breakfast. That'd suit me. Suit me very well, I'm afraid. On the subject of uh, India, uh, Jackie in Paddock Wood says, I go every year. I've never had Delhi Belly from water in 12 years. Oh, a friend of mine went over there. He is Indian. 
And he's got all these lovely pictures of him standing outside the Taj Mahal with a winter coat on and a scarf. Middle of summer. Middle of summer. Have to laugh, don't you, really? Uh, Vicky says, I listen to your show every day. Of course you do. Of course you do. I mean, you know when you're better off. Everybody does. Everybody's listening at this time of the morning. Every single person. Uh, Diana Sheridan has uh, passed away, as you know. 92. And uh, she was lovely, as the mum in the railway children. And, of course, she was in Genevieve about the race, the London to Brighton race. It was such a good film. Such a good little film. I like stuff like that. Uh, there's a... Uh, Carla Bruni. Carla Bruni has made a, a lovely statement here. Uh, she's lived a life far removed from most women. And she says a woman's place is in one of her homes. I don't quite know what that means. And she says, I'm not at all an active feminist. On the contrary, I'm a bourgeois. I love family life. I love doing the same thing every day. She says, I've ended up becoming my mother in some respects, despite eight years of analysis. And she, uh, she is a pop singer. She says, monogamy bores me and describes herself as a tamer of men. For that read, she pushes it about a bit. OK, tamer of men, honestly. Apparently, she's been out with Mick Jagger and Eric Clapton. Although, in one of the papers today, they said that Larry Hagman went out with uh, Joan Collins and Jackie Collins. Can you believe that? I wasn't sure whether that was true or not. I don't, I, I don't really know whether or not, you know, whether or not he did. I know he went out with a, a number of people. 84850, uk. On the subject of the uh, the paper, don't MS scan the barcode. How come they charge a different price? Well, it's set at head office. The barcode just tells them what the paper is. Head office apparently put the price in. But they must be able to change it at local level because they go round the tills, don't they? Or they? They go round the shelves and they've got a little machine and they aim it at it and it tells them what the item is. And if the price is wrong, then they change it and that's then sent to the tills. I don't understand why they can't get three newspapers right. Unless they're totally incompetent. It's a, it's a bit difficult to try and describe how a, a big multinational company has got branches all over the world can't even get a simple thing right like doing the papers. When they've been told... They've been told on you. This has gone on now. This must be three months. What do you reckon? Three months easily. And still, M&S in Twickenham cannot get it right. Whether it goes across the country, I don't know, because 95% of you don't even check your till receipts when you come out. You just assume that if it's barcoded, it's right. Unfortunately, for barcode, read, read it could be terribly, terribly wrong, I'm afraid. So check in future. On FM, online and... Morning, six minutes past six. Nick Ferrari this morning... Leveson comes out this week, of course. It's expected to cause a bit of a ruckus. Is it time now to regulate the press? We'll catch up with how Boris is coping in India and how do you think Christianity should be taught in schools? All of that, plus Mehdi Hassan, political director at the Huffington Post website, will be looking at the papers this morning for Nick Ferrari. Noreen says, you said you'd go to Kingston. We were there last week, liked it. I can't believe Marks and Spencer's still getting away with it. I know, it's, it's unbelievable, is it? It's something so simple that will be done so quickly, and I don't know why they've not sorted it out. You'd think they'd want to. Perhaps, perhaps they don't want to. Peter Simon, how many, how many tweets can Peter Simon send me? Loads, but he agrees with everything we say on the programme, but he's not doing Panto this year. Actually, I know a lot of people are not. It's very, very, very tiring, pantomime. <laughs> very, very tiring. Uh, Phil says, would it make a difference if, when you buy the papers, you gave them the correct money, then their tills would show a shortfall? Uh, well, they, well they, they, it doesn't work like that. I wish it did, because they can't open the till until it's got the right... It's got to have the right thing. I don't ask me why. But whatever it is, it's, it's, it's far too complicated. Not cut scarves, centre to read the lights. That was the first ones I bought. The other ones I bought down the road for me. What did I buy them for? A place in Brentford. Oh, I can't remember now. I can't remember. But uh, they, they, they were good. And it was more lights for less money, which I thought was very good. Uh, one here says, I'd love to be an LBC presenter, probably up there with the best jobs ever. 
It is true, actually. It is true. I mean, I can't complain about it at all. Um, <clears throat> uh, another one says, I did mention to you the other week bananas in marks of 40p if you use the barcode, but if you scan them as bananas, they're only 10p. Oh dear, really <laughs> confused me. I'm some somewhat on the on the banana front now. Thank you for all the people who were who were texting me yesterday about the. Uh, oh, that's, I just realised who well, that was. Sorry, I just missed who it was sending it to me. This is uh, somebody in Havelock Hill. Is that a name actually, or is it a or is it a studio? Good looking person. Uh, anyway, so we, we go to Winter Wonderland yesterday, and I buy my ticket. It's not cheap. It's free to go in. You can go. In. It's packed. Don't there be a lot of pickpockets around. Anywhere there's crowds, just be careful. And uh, the people dragging suitcases around behind them. Who goes to a fun fair and drags suitcases? I've never seen anything like it. Unless they've been kicked out of their hotels and they, they sort of have to get to the airport, but they wanted to go to Wyndham Wonderland first because they've all got little suitcases behind them. Anyway, so ir- irrespective of those, we go, on, we go on the big ride. The big ride is that big central column. They've got a couple of them. There's one that's the chairplane thing. Well, you wouldn't catch me going, it looked frightening to me. Absolutely frightening. It's, it's even bigger than the other place. But we go on the big thing where you sit round the outside and then it takes you all the way up to the top of this thing. It's quite frightening. You're so high up and all you are is sitting on a little bit of plastic with, with a, a thing over your head which is holding you in there. And it every time I sit there and I think, oh, and I always talk to keep myself because your heart's pumping away too. It's probably quite good for you, actually. Uh, the heart's pumping away. And so, and then all, so you sit up there for what seems like ages, and then all of a sudden he pushes the button, and this thing drops. And it's that action of dropping. It's, it's, it's like free falling. It's, it's horrible. Once you've done the first bit, you're fine. But it's six quid a go. And so then he takes you back up, and then drops you down again, and then up to the top, and then down. You do it about four times. And it's worthwhile going, but it's so frightening because you're so. If, if you haven't got a fear of heights, you're going to be okay. If you've got a fear of heights, you're not going to like it at all. And uh, they've got a zip wire which runs the full length of the thing, which was quite. Watch a few people on that. We went on the roller coaster, which is the one where you're sitting in a car and it's suspended underneath the actual track. That one we quite like. And then, and then Darren went on this thing, which is like an arm. And it swings backwards and forwards, and then it turns at the same time. He was most ill when he came off that. He didn't like that one. It made him feel very dizzy. So my advice is be very careful. But there's all sorts of outrageous prices for food up there. An average burger, £5. £5 for an average burger. Look on, look on, I mean, gone are the days of, you know, a portion of chips for a quid. £3 a portion of chips. And it's a tiddly portion of chips. It really is. I mean, I think the food is terrible quality. Not terrible quality, terrible prices. You know, you don't mind spending money if you get a decent thing. I, I had a chicken noodles, which was noodles, which cost threepence, and some little bits of cut chicken on it, and some curry sauce. And that was six quid. Six pounds for noodles in a box. And you think... They did a vegetarian version, which was a fiver, so four pounds, but the sauce was a pound. A pound for the sauce. I mean, because there's nowhere else to go up there. Jamie Oliver's got a place up there as well, selling... Might have been burgers or pies or something like that. It, it didn't look as good as the, some of the other stalls there. And the funniest thing was one that looked like Chinese noodle stall. Different Chinese noodle stall from the one that we were eating at. But all the people working on it were not Chinese. They were cooking in woks, but they weren't Chinese. It was very funny. But it was the most beautifully decorated one. I mean, I liked it. I really liked it. But I think the food is extortionately expensive. It really is. Just be, you know, they're all selling the same things. Hot chocolate, which you can have with a shot in, or they sell mulled wine. It, it's, it's a bit nap, But it's the price of the chips. Three quid for a portion of chips. Not good enough, I'm afraid. Not good enough. But six quid for the big ride. So if you're going on there... And remember, if you're going up there, I offer you this advice to save you queuing for ages. The tickets that you get from the little kiosks 
you need to exchange for the token on the ride. So if it's, it's only the big rides. If you're going on to one of the big rides, then you go to their box office, you hand over 12 tickets, or whatever it is, six tickets, whichever value that you've got on them, and they will give you the tokens which you give to the man on the ride. Okay, the amount of people we were queuing for the roller coaster and who are coming back through us again because they've got the bits of paper and they get the, the paper, you know, you need to swap them at the box office. The box office there, you give the bits of paper, they give you the round tokens. It's to stop fiddling and cheating, I suppose. And it seems to work very well. They've done it every year so far, but it's good. But this week it's going to be wet. So I feel very sorry for the showmen. They're not uh, probably not going to have a, a great week, but it's, it's worth going up. Just have a wander around. And still they've got these ghastly wooden ties. I ask you, wouldn't who in their right mind buys wooden ties? Some of the some of the rubbish they're selling up there, beggars belief. Terrible. Uh, other notable films, says Jeff, that the great Dinah Sheridan starred in The Sound Barrier with Ralph Richardson about an aircraft manufacturer who set to prove that the sound barrier can be broken. Also, Where No Vultures Fly with Anthony Steele set in a game reserve and the story of Gilbert and Sullivan with Robert Morley about the young composer and librettist who joined together to write the Savoy Opera. Oh, Savoy Operas. Very memorable. Yes, so we lost her over the weekend. She was 92. 92. What a good thing. But just before Christmas. Always a shame, isn't it? Especially for uh, for family and friends. Angela said, did you know CJ's in Panto? Yes. Yes. I, I didn't... Um, apparently, he, he does do Panto. I don't... I can't imagine you'd want to go and see him. His personality is zilch on eggheads. I mean, he really appears to have no personality whatsoever. I became quite disturbed last week, where I was watching him doing something, thinking, where is your personality? Where is the fun side of you? And answer, there appeared not to be one. And so he's in pantomime. I can know, perhaps he's playing as some new character, Mr Bored, which would be good. Who do you want to win X Factor if you've given up on it? I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. I mean, I, I don't watch it. I seem to catch a few of the repeats. Um, and so I watch a little bit of the repeats, but that's, that's about it. I mean, it's, we seem to be breeding a culture, as I've said before, of people who have no talent and they feature in the pages of all the newspapers. So every time you go through the papers, there are people here. I mean, on the front page of the Mirror today, Bye Bye Rise, Chris Stays. Two people who can't sing for toffee and it's a singing competition. I mean, under the Trade Descriptions Act, you'd be suing them straight away. Uh, Prince Charles fears he may die before fulfilling his destiny, whatever his destiny is. And, and people, talking of people running out of ideas, the BBC's children's drama Merlin... It's going to be axed at the end of this series because the bosses have run out of ideas. I mean, how can you run out of ideas? I mean, you know, if somebody came to me and said, oh, I've, I've run out of ideas, well, go away then. <clears throat> I remember once having a producer years and years ago at a certain place. It was long, long time ago. And all they had to find was one major guest a week. And it was, we went through everybody from Alan Sugar to David Liderman, who was running ITV. And they came in and they did a one-hour feature on their life. And we did all sorts of people. And I came in one morning and the producer said, uh, we haven't got a guest today. I said, why? He said, I can't find anybody. I said, what do you mean you can't find anybody? He said, I, I can't find anybody at all. I said, well, you better, you better start getting your thinking cap on. I said, this is London. We're not on the Isle of Skye or the Outer Hebrides where there's no guests until somebody turns up to sort of herd the sheep in. I said, this is London. You find somebody or you're looking for another job. And he looked for another job. LBC 97.3. Don't forget, we'll have a free podcast for you up by about 7 o'clock this morning where uh, I've trawled the Sunday papers to bring you some of the best celebrity gossip. The... Uh, the dreadful Katie Price, I'm afraid, and her column where she... They only have to criticise her and immediately she lambasts people. So poor old Peaches Geldof gets it in the neck. And also, uh, it's Leandro. Oh, she's so vile. Small wonder she can't find anybody to be with. And apparently London the other day came to a standstill. I missed this. It was in the early hours of the morning. and But it, it must have been... 
can't be that early in the morning because it's it's light. And they closed off Trafalgar Square. They closed off everything uh, so that Tom Cruise could film in Trafalgar Square. So they brought in helicopters and stuff like that. Well, I, I must have missed this. I don't, it must have been over the weekend at some point. But normally, millions of tourists will be there. But they filled it with combat vehicles for a battle scene in All You Need Is Kill, starring Emily Blunt and Bill Paxton. And Tom, Tom Cruise is 15. He doesn't look 50, does he? Uh, he sort of flew in in a helicopter. Must be the first time London has been this quiet since I saw the crowds lining the streets. The streets were empty, but the crowds were lining the streets for Diana's funeral or for anything, really, that takes place. The New Year's Day parade, it's all quite nice. But here, it's the first time I've seen Trafalgar Square completely empty. And it's funny, because it's only just struck me now that when you look at Nelson's column, it's not in the middle of the square. It's kind of, you know, to the front of the square or the back, depending on which way you're actually looking at it. But um, there's, there's Tom Cruise bringing London to a standstill. Do you have to pay for that, do you think? Do you sort of go, you know, I think I'd, I'd like to bring London to a standstill and, uh, and we won't be paying you any money at all. You know, who do they thank? Do they thank the Corporation of London? Do they thank Westminster Council? Who do they thank? Who do they thank for something like that? Because we're the ones who get the disruption. I mean, I'm quite thrilled that Tom Cruise is filming here. And we, we've been through Piccadilly Circus when they were filming. And I, I remember saying on air, what are they filming? And people said, oh, they're doing this film or that film. And I love it. And I love it. But I just think it's a blooming inconvenience, I'm afraid, for us. We have to put up with some rubbish, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? But we don't care. We're sort of generally very well known. Let's face it, we queue for buses. We queue for buses now, so I see no reason why we, why we shouldn't have to sort of put up with Tom Cruise. But does he appreciate it, I wonder? Does he, appre- does he appreciate things like that? Uh, 84850, steve at Thank you, Winnie, very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed. I love it up there. I do love it. I really do. Uh, on the subject of, uh, of, uh, of newspapers and the overcharging, Karen says, you have to complain. You have to complain. Because, I, well, I've been complaining about it for goodness knows how long. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I think about the money extracted by the company. It, it would be, you know, not not huge, huge, but anyway, it would still be money they weren't entitled to. And having told them on numerous occasions, the trouble is, with all these stores, it's finding one person who is the manager who is responsible. Sometimes I've seen three managers in M&S, and it's not the biggest M&S, standing around look, or stacking shelves. I think, what are you doing that for? One of the blokes who works in there, I think, used to work somewhere else. He might have worked in Iceland before he went to a bit of a jump up, I thought. Bit of a jump up, although if their food gets much worse, you know, we'll have to come down to the level of Iceland, which I think is good value. At least in Iceland, it's a pound. Same thing in Marks and Spencer's, seven. You know, although their, their, their meal was good value. A chicken and potatoes and vegetables, a tenner and a bottle of wine. That's not too bad, is it? Meal for two people. Uh, in the papers today, they say here... Uh, Tom Cruise's Nelson's eye view of Trafalgar Square from a helicopter was a London traffic stopper. They say it's not very often the public has to look up to see the vertically challenged Hollywood star because he's not tall. It's funny, you, you imagine that Tom Cruise is tall and he's not, I'm afraid. Not that makes any difference. Uh, Joker Ryland Clark voted off the X Factor. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Go home. Get a proper job. Stop being, you know, silly and showy-offy and everything else. Uh, and then there was... Um, Rihanna singing with a microphone and water cascading down. Do you think maybe she was miming and the microphone wasn't turned on? I don't know. Uh, here is Mylene Class. What was she doing? Oh, she was hosting this year's Mr. World. I don't remember being asked about this. Mr. World? I was, I mean, what was I doing? Where was I on that day? I should have been should have invited to it. Apparently, it was uh, it was hosted in Kent. 
with a, with a lot of people here. The title went to a Colombian hunk called Francisco Parra. I don't know, look at the picture here, most of them look gay. So, uh, perhaps Mr and Mrs. Uh, Denise, Welsh, I'm afraid, out of the town, dressing up like the buffoon that she is, uh, which was lovely. Uh, Shobna Gulati was there, and her ex-husband and her new boyfriend, who's, who's a little bit peculiar. Perhaps he's got slightly older taste than most normal people. And uh, the girl of 11, this story that's been running on the news on LBC all morning, uh, brutally raped in an ordeal lasting up to three hours. Uh, the man will be identified, there will be cameras that will pick him up, and once his picture is in the papers, then um, I think he will be picked up very quickly. I don't, I don't really know, really, what sentence you would give to somebody like that. I can only think of, of hanging, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, filming was at 11 o'clock on Sunday, thank you. Apparently, you normally have to pay for a street to be closed. RBL have to pay for street closure for Remembrance Day Parade. Do they really? I did not know. I did not know that. The things you learn. Helen uh, Flanagan has been begging producers for extra snacks, wearing yet another... How many bikinis did this girl take into the... Is she just paid to sort of, you know, just wear bikinis in the jungle? It's a shame, really. It's supposed to be an actress, and I suppose now we're going to have to, to put up with her on the celebrity circuit. Uh, Nadine Dorries said female Tories who attacked her for going on I'm a Celebrity had only acted out of jealousy. No, we were embarrassed for you, Nadine. We were so embarrassed for you. A woman with no talent, not liked by the public, couldn't do anything. That ideal to be an MP. Ideal. She says the critical ones are the jobless and the, the more ambitious. She had no regrets about her 12 day in the jungle as she's prepared for it. Of course she doesn't, because she's arrogant and needs kicking out by her constituents, which I'm sure they will do. I'm sure they will do. Um, the, the Rolling Stones, out on tour, the Review, they celebrated 50 years of the band, they've got 20,000 fans rocking. You can't lose, can you? The sprightly legend who averaged, uh, sprightly legends, who averaged 68 years of age, kicked off with I Want to Be Your Man. I Want to Be Your Man. Dun, 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 dun. Wild Horses, Gimme Shelter, with Mary J. Blige. Mick Jagger, wearing black skinny trousers and a fedora. Getting on a bit now, isn't he, really? He says, what a year it's been. The Queen's Diamond Jubilee, we didn't do that. The Olympics, we didn't do that either. James Bond, we didn't do the song for that, but we're glad we're here tonight. Ticket prices range from £95 to £950. It's an awful lot of money, isn't it? Perhaps that's why poor old Fern was away. Perhaps she couldn't get a freebie for that one. They've done quite well. They're going to play another show at the venue on Thursday and three more in America. But a source says, given the demand... Is sky high in last night's fireworks. Extra dates are being looked at by the minute. So they're obviously waiting to cash in on it as quick as possible to try and get there. More on MasterChef Greg Wallace. A little bit creepy, I'm afraid. And uh, workplace stress is giving more and more people migraine. I've never suffered from migraine. I'm quite lucky. But I've spoken to people <coughs> excuse me, who have, and they said it's absolutely terrible. You, you really suffer very, very badly. Not just your normal headache. This is, this is one which is even worse. Don't forget, coming up on the... Um, Free podcast this morning, an open letter to Chelsea fans, which was in the paper yesterday, and I liked it so much, I'm going to read it all again to you, so that will be coming up in about half an hour's time. We will uh, wander through, just very quickly in a moment, the front pages of the papers. Uh, the secret of watching X Factor, if you must watch, just watch the final 20 minutes. You miss the, miss the guest singers, watch the viewers' vote result, and sing off, and that's it, says John in the Harrow on the Hill. Thank you. That's what the idea is not to watch it at all, I suppose, which is what people are, are roughly doing at the moment. P people seem to be av avoiding it. And I don't know if they're avoiding it because they don't like it or they're avoiding it because they know that it's, it's just a bit silly. And if you've got, you know, people voted off, right, who cannot sing, 
There is no doubt about it. I mean, would, you know, any other competition is just an embarrassment. I don't know why I bother putting little earpieces in, as if he was a, a proper singer, which, of course, he isn't. And uh, he will now hopefully disappear and nothing... Like, like we got rid of the one out of The Only Way is Essex. Uh, he's disappeared now, which is good news. All we need now is Amy Childs and who else? Oh, Kerry Katona. Ha- hopefully going to America. She's asked her best friend, David Guest, of course. They've all got... Have you noticed in showbiz, they've all got best friends. She's asked him to find her a husband. Uh, she's looking for somebody rich. I think there's a name for things like that, isn't there? Uh, the Daily Mirror, bye-bye, Rye. Uh, water torture. Hundreds of homes at risk uh, as there's more floods which are wreaking havoc across the country, which is not so great. The Sun this morning, it's only crock and roll, great headline, and Rex Factor. And uh, they're, they're worried that if Chris Maloney wins, Simon Cowell might have to get rid of him through fair meals or foul, I'm afraid. Victoria Pendleton has sobbed as she gets booted off strictly. She'd put no effort in at all. She can't dance. And that's the embarrassment. And the mail today, it's only rock and roll, but Mick still loves it. At 69. Independent today, schizophrenia, the link to uh, cannabis, and Boris does Delhi. You'll be hearing more about that with Nick Ferrari this morning on LBC 97.3. And the Daily Telegraph have got the couple fighting to clear their name after the council said that membership of UKIP made them unsuitable carers. We want our children back, they've said. More details on those stories coming up later on today on LBC 97.3. I'm back with you tomorrow morning between 4 and 6.30. Don't forget, you can podcast the main programme a little bit later on today. And the blog is up there as well. And there'll also be the free podcast for you, which will be up very, very short. Probably about half an hour's time. And that open letter to Chelsea fans. And if you're a fan of Chelsea, you're going to want to hear that. You can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Have a, have a great day. Take your umbrella, because it's going to be wet and miserable. Nick and the team with you at 7. Next, after the news at 6.30, it's the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3